What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. See, we're getting ready to be put in a real trap with this legalization of marijuana. So everybody, every black person can be unemployed and then they can sit in their corner and get high on marijuana with whatever they decide to put in it. And people won't be asking for jobs and being determined that they're going to get jobs and going to get an education. No, everybody can start getting high on marijuana because somebody said it's medicinal and it's legal. What about- so we better beware. During the first weeks of the fall semester, college campuses across the country are busy tabling. That's when tables are set up and students walk up to them to sign up for a club or join a political group. And now, at many colleges, they can also learn how to avoid a fentanyl overdose. Here's NPR's Alyssa Nadwerny. It's crowded in Farrell Hall, the student center at the Dell High campus of the State University of New York. So, Fentanyl, what do you know about fentanyl? Rebecca Harrington, who works in student affairs on campus, is standing behind a table with colorful cups, a water jug, and candies in Ziplocs. We're going to pretend that this pressed powdered candy is a drug that you've gotten illicitly. She's showing students how to use a fentanyl test strip. This is what a real test strip looks like. It's similar to a pregnancy test or a chlorine test for a pool. And this particular brand, two stripes is no fentanyl and one stripe is fentanyl. Fentanyl was involved in the vast majority of all teen overdose deaths in 2021, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And the problem has been following teens onto college campuses. Students may think they're taking pills like oxycodone, Xanax, Vicodin. Instead, those pills often have fentanyl in them, resulting in overdoses on campuses across the country, from Ohio to Colorado to Oregon. Yeah, I just need a little bit off the edge. There we go, perfect. Rebecca Harrington at SUNY Delhi points to the candy she's brought. It's meant to be a stand-in for a pill. It's time to crush it up. Just like... Yeah, hit it with a rock. I got a bottle. She says you can use whatever you find at a house party, in a dorm. Put it in. Put it right in the water there. So give it a little bit of a swirl. Mix it up a little bit. The more of the drug that you test, the better, she says. Though many students will still want some left over if it's clean. So we're going to dip the testing end in there. Harrington says practice can come with a big payoff. If you know how to use it and be like, wait a minute, friends, like before we do this thing, let's do a test strip. I have one. I know how to use it. I think you're more likely to intervene because you've got that little bit of knowledge, that little bit of confidence. It's a far cry from the don't do drugs messaging a lot of people are familiar with. But research has found that message alone doesn't work. Plus, every student who left that table in Farrell Hall took a packet of strips. Oh, thank you. You're welcome very much. And we'll have, we have these on campus. They've got them and that doesn't stuff. surprise Alexis Rice, a recent graduate of SUNY Oneonta. She interned for the health center on campus giving out test strips. So this is something you can just like slip in your pocket, which is great. She says a lot of her classmates came out of COVID lockdown with more social anxiety and mental health issues. Self-medicating via social media or friends of friends is popular, but it can be dangerous, especially given the rise of counterfeit pills. 
test strip, she says, can be the difference between life and death. It takes like only like a couple of minutes at the most. It's really not that hard to do. You need water. You just need a little bit of powder. On campus at Ohio State University, students can pick up free test strips at the health center. The local health department in Columbus also recommended college students add them to their packing lists. It's been received a lot better than I even expected. That's Carolyn Jinder, a fourth-year biology student at OSU. She helps do drug prevention outreach on campus, and part of that is giving out free test strips. Like, everyone that I've ever talked to has known about fentanyl test strips. But it wasn't always that way. In fact, a handful of states still classify the testing strips as drug paraphernalia, policies left over from decades-old tough-on-crime drug laws. But given the rise of overdoses, states are changing those laws. Ohio decriminalized test strips earlier this year. We have students from all over the country, so it's important to let them know that, yes, in Ohio, you can have these, but you need to know about your own state's legislation. Back at SUNY Delhi, Rebecca Harrington says test strips and overdose medications like Narcan are part of a larger strategy on campus to make college students more safe and to reduce harm when they do use. Did one of the test strips I hand out that day stop an overdose? That would be awesome. I'll never know. But if I gave one person the confidence to think a little bit more deeply about it, that it's enough to help her feel satisfied and to propel her to keep her mini science experiments going. Alyssa Nadwarney, NPR News. Vermont has joined the growing list of states hoping to retain young people by paying their student loans. The program, launched this year, will give recent graduates of Vermont colleges up to $5,000 if they stay and work in the state for two years. Lawmakers hope the initiative will keep more young people in Vermont. From the Heckinger Report in Vermont Public, Liam Elder Connors reports. A couple of months ago, Mohammed Dini was ready to leave Vermont. The 23-year-old had graduated from Champlain College in Burlington. He thought he'd like to move somewhere warmer and bigger, like Charlotte, North Carolina, or Atlanta. I feel like I'm more of a bigger city person, with more, much more diversity. I like having options on what to do throughout the daily life, not just having to rely on hiking and swimming. Dini hoped that President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan would cancel out his $20,000 of debt. But when the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Biden's plan this summer, Dini knew he'd need to do something different. That's when he heard Vermont would pay him up to $5,000 if he stayed and worked. Dini, who studied business administration and accounting, got a job at a brokerage firm outside Burlington. He applied to the loan program and was accepted. It's better than zero. You know, it's better than me paying $5,000 out of pocket. And I'm not required to do anything but stay in a state, which is like bare minimum. Dinny isn't the only recent grad who stayed thanks to this new program. Mimi Duong graduated this year from the University of Vermont with a degree in public communications and nearly $30,000 of debt. Duong, who grew up in Vermont, says she considered leaving the state to pursue higher paying jobs, but an opportunity to work in her field plus the loan repayment program convinced her to stay. And when I got the email saying that I received it, I, I don't, I didn't, my, my world, like, stopped. So I'm like, wow, I get to stay here, work, and also have some of my loans paid back. Almost every state in the country has some kind of student loan forgiveness program. Most are focused on specific professions, like healthcare or teaching. Only two states, Vermont and Maine, offer loan repayment programs to recent graduates who work in any field. Both states have some of the oldest populations in the country. Maine lawmakers expanded the state's student loan repayment program last year. 
People can get $2,500 a year off their loans for up to a decade. Heather Johnson is Maine's Commissioner of Economic and Community Development. So the average student debt in Maine is about 33000 and so we had to be significant in that equation. Nearly 14,000 people took advantage of Maine's program last year. In Vermont, the first-year numbers won't be that big. There's enough money for around 400 recent grads this year. St. Michael's College economics professor Patrick Walsh says that could still be significant, especially if the state keeps the program. He says enticing young people to stay could help address Vermont's aging population and bring more high-paying jobs to the state. That could really start to move the needle. It's kind of these cycles where... The skilled employers go where the skilled workers go. The skilled workers go where the skilled employers go. But it could be hard to keep people after they get their $5,000. Duong, the recent University of Vermont grad, isn't committed to staying. All the adults in Vermont tell me, hey, you should get out, like, at least, like, in your life, at least leave Vermont for a couple years and then come back if you want to. Um, I might take that advice, but we'll also see, like, you know, how deep my roots are um, in two years from now. Because I might end up just loving it here. That's exactly what state officials are hoping will happen. That after two years, people like Duong will realize that Vermont is where they want to stay. For NPR News, I'm Liam Elder Connors in Burlington, Vermont. LA, LA, big city of dreams, but everything in LA ain't always what it seems. You might get fooled if you come from out of town, cause we come from Queens and get down. One of the reasons thousands of people who work at hotels in Los Angeles have been striking is less about the workplaces themselves and more about how far they are from home. Housing costs in L.A. are high, so workers often have to live far from the hotels where they work. And as Danielle Cave reports, workers are asking hotels to step in. For 14 years, Brenda Mendoza has been a uniform attendant at the upscale JW Marriott Hotel in downtown L.A. She's paid $25 an hour to handle staff uniforms and linen and all sorts of housekeeping tasks. These days, she gets up at 3 in the morning to make it to work on time. She has to drop off her husband and son at their jobs in the city, too. When I get out of work, it takes me about two hours, almost three hours to get home. The long pre-dawn commute, Mendoza says, takes a toll on her family's quality of life. It's also expensive. They spend a lot more on gas. It wasn't always like this. Mendoza was born and raised in Koreatown, just a 10-minute drive from the Marriott with its sweeping city views. The rent started increasing so much, I ended up having to move from Koreatown to Downey. And then um, last year, I ended up uh, moving to Apple Valley because my rent was almost $3,000 for a two-bedroom apartment. Downey was about 15 miles away. Apple Valley, where she now lives, is almost 100 miles northeast of the hotel. This increasingly long commute for Mendoza and many of her colleagues is a big reason why they've been on rolling strikes for the past three months. Rents are going high. Properties are high. We're not able to even own a property here in L.A. The union contract for some 15,000 workers, housekeepers, cooks, front desk agents, at about 60 hotels expired at the end of June. Since then, their union has been fighting for pay raises of more than $10 an hour. That would come out to a roughly 40 percent pay raise for Mendoza. 
But the union is also asking hotels for something unique and directly tied to housing, a hospitality workforce housing fund. The idea is for hotels to charge a 7% fee on all guest rooms, money that would help workers with their housing costs. In Los Angeles, if every hotel paid 7%, it would be $150 million a year. That actually could pay, we think, for two to 3,000 units of new construction. That's Kurt Peterson, co-president of the Unite Here Local 11 union. He says the details of the fund still need to be worked out. It could be used for affordable housing construction or for low-interest loans, for instance. And the 7% fee could potentially replace existing fees on guests. But the hotels, he says, haven't been willing to even discuss the proposal. The only people in Los Angeles who don't want to talk about housing are the owners of the hotels. Everyone else recognizes it's a problem. The hotels feel it's not their responsibility to get housing for their employees. They don't think it should be part of any bargaining over compensation and benefits. A spokesperson for the Coalition of Hotels told NPR this extra tax on guests would be an unfair burden on only the city's unionized hotels when all of them face the same problem. But workers say the businesses that employ them can play a role in alleviating the housing crisis as public policy has failed to adequately address it. According to Zillow, the median rent in Los Angeles is nearly $3,000 a month. Given the high cost of housing and the crisis that many workers and families are facing, this will be something that will be more common. That's Thomas Kohan, a professor at MIT. He says Unite Here's approach is innovative and could address housing affordability in a creative way. Employers, too, have to see it as being in their interest for workers to live close to their jobs. But the L.A. hotels don't seem to be there quite yet. For NPR News, I'm Danielle Kay. Welcome back. A delivery driver sharing what she calls a harrowing experience. Take a look at this. Dashcam video shows the moment a dog attacked her. A day on the job left her with stitches, scars, and big medical bills. Jamie Gorilla has the story tonight. This is Dashcam video of an Instacart shopper being attacked by a dog while making a delivery in Cooper City last week. When the door is answered, the German Shepherd leaps out at Diana Riveros and continues jumping at her, pushing her back. She eventually falls to the ground with the dog. The woman who answered the door runs out to help, and they continue to struggle on the ground for several more seconds. It was horrible. And, like, I literally, I cannot sleep. Like, I sometimes I sleep for two hours. And I just opened my eyes, and I'm just thinking about the dog. Help me! Help me! 
With bloody and shaky hands, she calls police. Paramedics arrive and rush Riveros to the hospital and had surgery. She says she got more than 30 stitches on her arm, hand, foot, and leg. She has this message for people who order online. Lock your dogs because, like, we are the ones who are going to be affected. Like, you never know how a dog is going to react with certain people. Riveros, a mother of three, says she can't go back to work for several weeks and won't be able to make money ahead of an unrelated life-and-death surgery. We reached out to Instacart about the incident. A statement reads in part, our teams have reached out to Ms. Riveros to provide a number of support services and ensure her well-being and safety following this incident. We've also provided details about our shopper injury protection offering, which is insurance designed to protect shoppers. We also went by the home where it happened, and there was no answer. We're waiting to hear back from the Broward Sheriff's Office. Jamie Garola, NBC6 News. I ever tell you about the first time I leave the state of Georgia? When was that? A few minutes back. Go on. Yes. <laughs> now, my daughter, she's married to a Pullman photo, you know. She's always on the door. York, Detroit, St. Louis. <laughs> I said, well, now that's all well and good, Tommy Lee, but I just don't feel the need for it. So here it is. First time. And I might tell you, Miss Daisy, Alabama ain't looking like much so far. Black Alabama farmers and landowners want to be compensated for racial discrimination. Action 8 News reporter Teresa Lawson is in the Montgomery newsroom tonight with the big story. Teresa? Well, that's right, Glenn. The Inflation Reduction Act has put aside $2.2 billion to be paid to black farmers and landowners following proof of the USDA discriminating claims. Today, hundreds of black farmers and landowners met with members of the Black Farmers Agriculturalists Association to get help with the 40-page application necessary to gain payment from that lawsuit. And although there is a payout verdict in place for those who have been affected by this discrimination, many call the USDA's inability to make information readily available another form of discrimination. When the, when the program first got started, the USDA was not clear on it. They had a place in the Huntsville for you get a sister, but uh, the information was not clear. You couldn't find the location, even the... Uh, the USDA uh, gentleman in Huntsville didn't know anything about the program. So the program is like, at one particular time, it didn't even exist. It does not take 40 pages to pay people who you have admittedly done wrong. These 40-page applications are ripe with trick questions, such that even if a person were able to understand on some level, they're asking the same question several different ways. And this is the third USDA discrimination lawsuit for black farmers and landowners. Previous application processes were between five to eight pages long. Glenn? All right, keep us up to date. Teresa Lawson live from the newsroom tonight. The Black Farmers Agriculturalists Association has filed a federal lawsuit to strike down that 40-page application involving uh, fraud uh, and um, Mr. Tony uh, uh, conducted a press conference uh, basically what uh, he did quote unquote secretly uh, he uh, 
basically had the entire Broward Sheriff's Office, which includes all forms of law enforcement, not just not just uh, quote unquote police officers. Uh, it, it, it embodies correctional officers and all of this on this particular fraud uh, case. Uh, they found out it was somewhere and almost in the it, well with Broward Sheriff's Office. There's at least about five thousand people that are under that that particular uh, uh, name. Uh, and out of that, there were hundreds of people that were being researched on of defrauding uh, this particular uh, advantage that was made up based on uh, COVID-19, uh, where uh, employees were, were uh, frauding uh, the U.S. government, I think. Uh, and in turn, uh, they indicted and arrested at least 17 of these employees. Now, the, all of the ones that I saw that was coming out of the correctional facility on, out on bail, all of them were non-white people. We are now hearing from Broward Sheriff Gregory Tony. After 17 deputies have been arrested and charged with fraud, Local 10's Roy Ramos is live with this developing story. Roy. Nicole, and we have learned that nearly 100 BSO employees did apply for the PPP loans. And of the 100, 17 of them are now facing federal charges. Well, as you mentioned today, we did get a chance to speak with Broward Sheriff Gregory Tony about these allegations. And he says if his employees were involved in this type of criminal activity, they do not deserve to be working in the law enforcement profession. Did you believe you were receiving these loans legitimately? 17 members of the Broward Sheriff's Office, which include both BSO deputies and detention deputies, released from the federal courthouse in Fort Lauderdale after being indicted on charges that include wire fraud after federal investigators said they fraudulently applied for and received funds from the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP, loans. Bonds were set. They're being released. Uh, nobody, as far as I know, is being detained. And uh, we'll take it from there. We'll be back in court. Attorney Brian Silber represents three of the defendants, some of whom have either been suspended or placed on leave pending the outcome of the investigation. I can't comment on the nature of the case. While the charging documents do not allege that any of the defendants committed to charge offenses in the course of their official duties, this does not in any way diminish the seriousness of what the defendants are alleged to have done here. Sheriff Gregory Tony said he first learned of the crimes in November of 2021, prompting him to investigate all 5,500 of his employees, including himself and other top brass. Of the 17 indicted, seven BSO deputies and one sergeant in law enforcement, and eight detention deputies and one sergeant in corrections. I hate to see that knowing some of the individuals and seeing the names on that list that's being indicted, indicted some of them were good officers. But you're only as good as the last act and conduct that you execute. We learned the defendants involved received tens of thousands of dollars, and while the investigation has proved that some of whom were investigated did have legitimate businesses, at the very least, the 17 now facing federal charges allegedly did not. If you're going to be participating in criminal activities, we don't want you in this profession. And while 17 BSO employees have been indicted, we are told that this investigation does continue and there could be more indictments to come. We'll be sure to stay on top of this. For now, outside of BSO headquarters near Fort Lauderdale, Roy Ramos, Local 10 News.
Welcome to the HBR IdeaCast from Harvard Business Review. I'm Kurt Nickish. One of the most marked changes in the workplace in recent years is the increased willingness to talk about mental health. That's partly due to the pandemic and how hybrid work has changed the relationship between work and home. There's also new research out that supports it and also a generational shift. More workers today have gone to therapy and many have different attitudes about mental health than previous generations. This leaves managers with a challenge. It's their job to support employees, but you don't know what's in someone's mind or what's happening in their lives. What's more, you're not a therapist. You have neither the relationship with that person nor the training for it. Instead, today's guests talk of something more like first aid, the manager as an initial line of defense for employees dealing with mental issues like anxiety, mood, or depression. Kieran Bhatti is a counseling psychologist based in Cambridge in England. Thomas Roulet is a professor at the University of Cambridge's Judge Business School. Together, they wrote the HBR article, Helping an Employee in Distress. Hi, Kieran. Hi. Hi, Thomas. Thanks for coming on the show. Hello. How have you seen mental health more front and center and something that needs to be talked about and dealt with in the workplace? I have been studying mental health in the workplace for you know the last seven, eight years, and there has been a massive shift with hybrid work. And what we saw during the pandemic is that our mental health really suffered from the difficulties to really separate work and our personal life. And uh, there is a difference in what we expect from our managers, from our organizations, and we are, as employees, you know, more likely to seek help and support from our organizations. Thomas, can you help skeptics understand how this is the role of the manager? Yes, I think it's a very common view. You are absolutely right. Uh, a lot of managers I talk to, they tell me this is not my role. You know, providing uh, mental health, well-being support to my employees should be the role of the human resources. They should go like employees should go to well-being engagement programs. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's the wrong way to think about this. Uh, if you think about the role of human resources, it's a very macro view. Uh, they have the perspective on the organization as a role. The manager are on the front line. They see what happens directly in the organization. Uh, and also they have, in most cases, the trust of their own employees. So there are no better people than direct managers to offer a safe space and a good connection of trust that employees can take advantage of to share the challenges that they are experiencing. And the other reason, you know, the other arguments I use with managers to convince them that they should foster mental health skills in their teams and for themselves is that their teams will be affected by mental health issues and they will have to deal with it. If you have an employee who is in a situation of burnout, then they are not going to be able to contribute. They are not going to be able to engage and you're going to have to manage the situation. So if you cannot prevent those situations by supporting your employees, listening to them, creating a safe space in which they can express themselves and get the support they need, then it will get too late and you'll be in a situation where people cannot work anymore because of their mental health issues. And the situation as a manager will become unmanageable. 
What isn't the role of a manager in this situation? I mean, we're talking about, you know, stepping up the level of, of engagement here for, for some managers who are maybe uncomfortable with it. What is not their role, too, I think might be helpful to understand here? The main thing to say is that there's there's no expectation for managers to act as therapists. The reality is they're not trained, and actually that wouldn't be fair on the manager to give that level of expectation and support to another person when they themselves may not feel confident doing that. And also it wouldn't be fair on the individual in distress. Managers are not expected to be therapists and to act as therapists. You know, it's more about acting as a source of support in perhaps having an encouraging, collaborative conversation about their experience, being perhaps that first port of call that might encourage them then to seek support elsewhere that would feel more appropriate and helpful to them. And so that brings us to this idea of mental health first aid. Can you explain that for a little bit in the context of management? Mental health first aid has become, you know, a huge part of uh, HR development and training. In the UK, in the US, you have more than 3,000 companies recently that have, you know, declared that they have a mental health first aid training. Among them, Bank of America, Starbucks, others. Very often, though, I think Karen and I, we, we like to use the word well-being intelligence even more than mental health first aid in the sense that uh, if we only think about mental health when someone needs support, very often it's too late. So I think managers need to think about mental health, you know, before it happens, they need to be sensitive to it. They they need to be sensitive to their own mental health, uh, be able to assess and understand the problems that they are experiencing, and then use that knowledge to help others. So we are trying here to be a bit more prescriptive. There's something about that idea of mental health first aid where this is not going to solve all the problems. This is, you know, almost like a holding space while we get you maybe to the right support, the most appropriate people out there to help them perhaps get treatment or more support around them. So what might this look like in practice, just so people can picture this? You two are both advocates for a practice called cognitive behavioral therapy. So um, I'll just start by by talking a little bit about cognitive behavioural therapy or CBT as it's sort of shorthand. So that's really about somebody's thoughts, their feelings, their behaviours and sometimes their physical sensations in the body and how they all interconnect. So really CBT is thinking about how, you know, what we think about will impact how we feel what we do will impact how we feel. If somebody at work, if we see that perhaps they're not feeling very good about their work. So, you know, a classic example in a workplace context is maybe imposter syndrome. If we think about, you know, um, somebody who's just graduated, they've started their first job and they're working with lots of very you know, interesting people who've got lots of experience and they've come along to this job. At the beginning, they might be feeling really good about that, feeling really stimulated by the people around them and learning lots and feeling very fulfilled. And they might be engaging with, you know, the work, you know, trying to get on lots of projects and feeling, you know, pretty good. 
But if they're feeling perhaps a little bit intimidated by the people around them, they might start to have thoughts about, you know, not not being good enough or, oh, I'm not qualified or I shouldn't be here. Quite negative self-talk. And so those negative thoughts can impact how that person will feel. They'll start to feel bad about themselves. They might start to feel a bit depressed or they might feel worried about going into the office and then that would lead them to start acting in a way that would mean that they're disengaging from other people. They might avoid uh, particular projects at work and they might start to feel less fulfilled by their work. So when we're thinking about sort of CBT or cognitive behavioural therapy, we're thinking about how all those different parts of our experience interact with each other and can impact our well-being context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, October 20, 2023. So I have been told this, our weekly broadcast, neutralizing workplace racism not for spectators not for spectators if you have thoughts observations counter racist suggestions you figured out some techniques you can avoid some of the pitfalls that we've heard about hey maybe you work in a supportive work environment where you can share any of your mental health struggles with a coworker, supervisor, whomever it may be, <clears throat> without uh, fear of retaliation, or they will use this to undermine your career and progress on that particular job. Maybe you have that. Maybe you work, <clears throat> excuse me, in an environment. You don't have to worry about being stolen wage theft any of the things that we heard the wage theft hopefully if you're a delivery person you don't have to worry about a German shepherd Ugh, skip that altogether. Uh, you don't have to worry about any of that you are you don't have to worry about those brutal two hour commutes you are well compensated take care of housing all of that and you don't have to be in the car for six seven hours a day no one in your residence, you, your partner, uh, they don't have to get up at three o'clock in the morning to drive to work. You have a reasonable amount of time to get to work, reasonable amount of time to get home. They don't mess you over on your schedule. We got so-called holidays coming up. If you're going to use this time constructively, you put in advance put in September when I want my days off into the year make sure I use up all my personal days and all the rest of it they don't come wait till the last couple of days oh yeah that time off that got approved back in August oh, we had to avoid that sorry we got a big end of the they don't ever do it and and not only do they keep their word you put in for your time off or whatever else they don't nag you. You don't go on vacation and they text you every other hour and email you. Black brother, you think you can pick up a shift and you sure you all you don't do all that. 
let us know. How did you do this? Number is 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Certainly, if you have difficulties, if you're mistreated in any way on the job, difficulties that you're still trying to figure out, let us know. We'll do our best to offer suggestions, counter-racist logic, minimize problems in the workplace. No creating new problems. Number again, 605-313-5164. Decode 564 nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate the email until justice at gmail dot com until justice at gmail dot com the mental health component I could say a lot about it would be great to hear Dr. Welsing's thoughts on that. I certainly think mental health is important. Burnout is very real. Being stressed because of your job or in the workplace, very common, known to happen on the plantation. I'm not sure how much of that I would want to divulge to my coworkers, managers, that sort of thing, particularly if I think, you know, they might not be sympathetic. That I don't know. I think a lot of people at least have shared. I've been in environments where I would at least have to consider that. Now, are these folks going to use this as justification for denying me a promotion or raise that sort of thing? Like, oh, you were about on the verge of a burnout, you know, back a couple of months ago. So, yeah, I don't think you're about at your threshold, that type of a thing. Or does this just become gossip around the office or work area? That'd be something to prosper. Uh, I'll give two, and then I'll check in case we have folks who need to make sure they can share early. I'll just get to two. One, the report on uh, new college students, first few weeks of school and such, first month or so, and they're talking about having tables set up to discuss fentanyl. I had that on the list to discuss when we had the young non-white people victims of racism on to speak with us just a few weeks back for the very same reason. They've had so many reports talking about children, and I mean all the way down to like kindergarten, who have died and or uh, been poisoned with fentanyl through a variety of methods, all the way up to high schoolers and college students who are taking it voluntarily, accidentally or whatever the case may be. But I was going to ask, you know, have one, do you even know what fentanyl is? just to see like have they you know been talking about this in school and all the rest of it and and uh, man that would be something else before you get to the bedroom Jesus Christ what are we gonna do all of these drugs and Jesus what are we gonna do that would be a major plan major plan even talk to some parents like Jesus how much the drugs and all of that like talking to different ages 10 11 12 did you talk to them are children doing this blah, blah, blah. are they seeing this do they know what fentanyl is like oh my god 
Anyway, but they said they're they're doing the test strips and all that, and they're not telling them, just say no. No more for Nancy Reagan and all that, right? They said, hey, if you're going to do this, don't kill yourself. Get the strips. And then even know your jurisdiction. You're doing this here. Didn't they mention Ohio State again? Jeez, we were just talking about that. Mike Swango, Sue Klebold. Anyway, they said, uh, you know, hey, you're here in Ohio. You may venture back to wherever, and these strips might be illegal. So check your jurisdiction and all the rest of it. Now, I do think that's responsible, but just, wow. That is, I mean, man, man. I also think, too, like, man, they picked Ohio State University. Go Buckeyes. I don't know. I didn't exactly pick Howard Grambling Southern just you know anyway uh, speaking of which the second report I'll just do two and then we'll get to some of the folks who dialed in and I can share the rest about the mental health other folks can share some of their thoughts on that as well Uh, that report uh, I heard it on Sunday this past weekend in Vermont they're going to pay recent graduates to stay. They'll give you $5,000 and all this help with repaying your loans and such because they have an aging population. The state of Vermont in total, 647,064 people in total, 93% white. It's like the entire state of Vermont is one big racially restricted region. 93% white. Most of the times, uh, the cities and counties and things that we are looking at are not 93% white to get a whole state that is 93% white. And then uh, they were talking about Burlington, Vermont specifically. Burlington, Vermont is 85% white. So that is exactly what I've been silver tsunami. I've been saying this is going to be a problem and an increasing problem because white people are not having as many babies and all the rest of it. So there's probably going to be more of this because you've got old white people. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We don't even have enough people to operate the 7-Eleven. What are we going to do? Please stay. Have babies. And that's probably going to mean can't be 93% white anymore if we have to beg people to come and stay. The old demographic shift. Francis Cress Welsing, M.D. White Genetic Annihilation. That was at the crux of what she talked about. I mean, woo, that is flagrant. You will pray. They didn't even say that. They didn't even say that. But I mean, that is it front and center. I am some, I've been saying that for quite some time now, right? For workplace racism specifically, because you're going to have a lot of these aging white people. They are retiring. We hear that at the courthouse about every other week. We got the warden and her buddies been here 35 years. All the niggers we mistreated. Remember that time we hit the panic button and they beat grabbed the nigger knocker and <laughs> Yeah, the good old days. Woo! Oh well. 
these folks got to sit down. I've been saying, one, hey, as they sit down, if we got to be on the plantation, same logic I used with President Obama, take the job. If they offer it to me, take the job. See if you can get some of these jobs. Maybe it would be a pay increase, benefits, more space, nicer office that is theirs, not yours. But see if you can get some of these positions as these whites retire and age out. And then too, as I said, that's white genetic annihilation that is, I think, one way this problem could be solved. Hey, while white people are having all their difficulties and trying to do all this cloning and everything else, we do as much as we can, focus on our health, well-being, and we aggravate them mercilessly focusing on white supremacy racism as accurately as we can you will get no peace cross the old racist man cross the old racist woman might not even be able to say racist child because they'll be getting old but that's all we're talking about nothing else you'll just be agitated to the end of your days any hoodles See if that is popping up in other re- They said they got that in two states. That would be another metric to even pay attention to. Does this spread to other states and or regions, counties even, where they're having population problems? What can we do, do to lure people to younger people, especially child-bearing young people? Please come, stay, populate, operate the 7-Eleven. I need a Slurpee. And again, that will probably mean trying to beg non-white people. Number is 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. I have more to say about the mental health. Uh, is is mental health is that is that discussed in your work environment are you do you feel comfortable discussing your uh, mental wellness in the workplace is that something where you feel like you could you could share you have a manager or you have coworkers or I don't know do they have mental health resources at your job where you could go and talk to someone for 30 minutes or something and that's encouraged we're here to help and you know if you're you're feeling stressed or burnout or anything like that just let us know we'll work through it get a plan together and pow do, do people have that sort of environment I, I get the feeling that is not because we hear so many people they can't even get bathroom breaks much less you know concerned about your mental and then they get an attitude like what well, you getting uppity you trying to go to the toilet what you better get an empty water bottle and be quiet, Lee. What do you hear this uppity coon asking for a water break? <laughs> you think Obama's still in the White House, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. I, let me know if I'm wrong. That you, you know. Let's see. Uh, folks who dialed with a hand up, if you have commentary to share. Line should be open. Hello. Bay Area mom. Yes, ma'am. Hi, this is a female caller from Georgia. Oh, yeah. Thank She's you, lovely, man. but I'm not her. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> um, hope everyone's having the best day they can have, best week they can have. Um, I know you talk about in Ohio the drugs. I don't know what it is about Ohio, but they I don't know. They I guess they just seem to have drug problems. I lived there about well, I know it's definitely over ten years ago, but I lived there in the early two thousands and it seemed like every week I was in Dayton, mess lab, mess lab, mess lab, mess lab. Is I don't know. It's it's a mess up there. I guess that's where the drugs go to flourish. I don't know, so be careful. I don't I don't know if anybody lives up there, but just be careful about that. Um, in terms of the mental health resources, um, they do have that. Um, again, I work, you know, seasonally for Fortune 500 companies, so they have more resources, and that's one of the resources they offer to every employee, whether you full time, part time, seasonal. And um, the, I, I mean, if someone's going through something, I, I would recommend that um, to them, and it all depends. I mean, I don't know if I would just start crying. Oh, my life is a mess. Um, but I would guess, depending on the circumstance, it will be okay. Because I know um, when I go back, I'm going to take advantage of them because I had a um, recent death in the family. And I think if I said that, people would be supportive and they would be like, oh, okay, you know, it will make sense. So, I mean, I wouldn't tell everybody what. I think it depends on the situation. If somebody knows, like, you had a death in the family and that resource was available to you, I think my coworkers, they would be, you know, they will understand that I was taking it for that reason. But just to say I'm depressed or this and the racism's going to get me, the sexism or the ism-smisms, whatever, um, I think I would just, <laughs> you know, give the res you know, if I'm a mentor again like I was last season, I would give the resource and then just let them, you know, however they want to take advantage of that if they want to. That's what I would do personally. I wouldn't mock anybody if they said they had any mental challenges because people have them. But there's a lot going on. And if you listen to the news and everything, sometimes I know that sometimes that weighs more than you on you than actually going through the going through your circumstances, just hearing about those things over and over again. Um, so I guess it may depend on the size of the company. Like, so we have that resource available to us and I plan on taking advantage of it. And that's me. Thank you. Much obliged black female caller. My apologies. Uh, and condolences uh myself cows listeners lost in your family i uh, hope everyone is uh doing the best they can and has lots of uh fond memories so i guess as many as you know possible given our circumstances um that that is phenomenal if you have you know that sort of environment where uh where you can tell them that you know that you had a loss in the family and they're supportive right on bring your gift card and you know whatever resources that they have gleefully or I won't say gleefully but you know will proudly make them available um that is awesome uh but she did make a distinction uh saying I'm not sure I would do this like you know the races are gonna get me and oh like, eh, eh. <laughs> which that's about the same thing I said like eh hmm. I don't know um 
And and if they did have resources for all of that, I would just say, see if you you know if it could be couched in in a different manner. If it is you're feeling stressed because of racist stressed because of racists on the job or whatever it is, um, feeling near burnout or what have you. If they do have resources available, if you're able to just say you've had a loss in the family or whatever else, uh, where you don't have to couch it in that way and still get access to those resources. Great. Maybe that's not being as forthright and as explicit, but it is system of racism, white supremacy. And, uh, I can certainly understand white and or non-white co-workers I can certainly understand why one might be reticent to reveal you know personal troubles I'm yes, sorry I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to cut you off but also I think it's a point of distinction for me I do work virtually so I think that's a that could be a difference as well because I don't know if I could have people coming at me coming to my face all the time so I'm so sorry that happened because that did happen to me a long time ago I had someone in my family died and what's my mother so um she told me while I was at work so I just ah! so I just started crying and but, pe- but again I have to give the people credit I work with mostly white people they were very sensitive to my plight you know they they were like they know you gotta go home. I had again a big company, so bereavement. You know, I took the bereavement I had. And some of the other days had to be vacation days. My boss was kind them as vacation days. I came back. I went to work. So sometimes, I guess if you do work for a bigger company, you know. And again, it was a death in the family, so people understood. But we did have another coworker who did take time off because of mental issues. And I don't know if they, that was, they were a white person. And I don't know if they were, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, whatever. I don't know if their situation was as, people were as forgiving to that person as they were to me. Again, mine was a sudden death, very dramatic. You know, I wasn't near my family at the time. My family was in another state. So they were more understanding to me. I definitely believe that they were understanding to that person. Hmm. Hmm. Much obliged for, for the details. Uh, and that, that also is an important distinction. She said being virtual now, as opposed to if you're in person, cause that is way different. Uh, as she, you know, talked about, glad they were supported then that's awesome all the resources and time and everything but i mean yeah that is way different if you're in person so that they can swing by she was talking about like they can swing girl how you doing we gotta hang in there you want to go out for lunch and tell me like oh man (laughs) (laughs) i was doing a little bit better but whoo now i backslid a little bit I'm, i'm 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 gonna go to the bathroom lord Oof, that that could get to me um, or the yeah just all that white or non-white I could see how yeah that virtually I mean that's way different they just send an email or message chat whatever it is like you can get to that when you get to it and muchy like oh great thank you for checking in and all the, I don't think too many people are going to ask to do a zoom conference to 
check in or what have you. <laughs> you can call at your convenience or whatever, but yeah, virtual way different. Um, other folks let us know about the mental uh, health component. If you have that sort of environment where you could share, feel like you could do it without retaliation. In fact, and they would be supportive and all that. She even made a distinction saying that the white person who actually did have some sort of mental health issues, she felt like that person didn't get the same amount of help consideration that she did, even as a victim of racism, a non-white person. Uh, but hers, death in the family, unexpected, white person with that whatever mental health issues they were having, which, you know, now that does kind of show, hey, there there can be less consideration, less sympathy for mental health issues, even if it's a white person. I have seen where it can go the other way too, but not always. Generally, I think most of the time, unless you actually killed the person, most of the time people are generally very sympathetic and want to be helpful if there's been any sort of death, like unless you actually killed the person, you know, they think this is an OJ Simpson type of a thing, blame Rental James. Uh, yeah, oh man, everybody, like, let's get them a card and gift card and oh my goodness like yeah all hands on deck to help out if that's you know that type of thing as it should be uh let's see uh before we get to the other call i did want to say just with the fentanyl piece as well she mentioned ohio man they said a part of their reasoning about we can't keep doing the just say no sobriety would be best that's not quite just say no. That's <laughs> a little different. Sobriety would be best. Uh, is that there's so much self-medicating amongst the young people because of all of the disruptions that are here, period, system of white supremacy, and then the last almost four years of COVID-19. That I thought was, man, talk to your children. I said I that was on my list to ask those young people. Do y'all know about fentanyl? Have they discussed that in school? Do you know what that is? Do they have the test? Like, I don't know. Just to see. Do they know? Is this something that they talk about? Are they aware? Because I mean, I suspect that is widespread. I know we we talked about Ohio specifically. Uh, Red, longtime caller. That was her area of study uh, where she talked about Ohio and saying, said the same thing that Yes, this area does have a serious methamphetamine problem. Seems like the entire uh, Northwest Hemisphere, at least in uh, so-called North America, has a serious methamphetamine problem. Maybe even worsened with COVID-19, but that and the opioids and fentanyl and all the rest of sobriety would be best. Anyway, uh, but talk to your children, all of that young people self-medicating and then going into uh, college environments uh, where that was already rife. Now, I mean, you can't even imagine now you go to college, probably someplace where recreational cannabis could be legal. You got about half of the states and D.C. where it's legal. So, I mean, about 50% of the folks you go to school it could be recreational legal or it will probably be super easy to nab 
from one of the many, 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 many students who is there who's from someplace where it is legal recreationally. So, man, I would be... <sighs> there's so much to chat about. If you have children... Man. Other folks who dialed in, if you have commentary to share, proceed. Can I be heard? That... The authentic Bay Area mom. Good evening to you all, and thank you for taking my call. Um, so I'm not gonna do too much of the um, the clips, but I just you were speaking of um, recreational um, use because it's legal, and how the, the dispensaries, their nearest schools, can of uh, college campuses. That's so true. Because when I went to my son's graduation, like <laughs> walking distance, there's a cannabis club, walking distance, just to make sure he's able to do whatever it is. So they are they are targeting the children um, on uh, near college campuses. Cause, because when we walked by, I was with a senior citizen. She's like, oh, I got to stop there. I'm just like, oh, dear, this is so close to the, to the school. So... Yeah. Um, okay, my workplace racism. Um, so I call a lot complaining about how the children are being treated at the middle schools in California. So um, I know it's not just this middle school. I know it's uh, a lot of the schools. Um, I'm just fussing about this one because I'm there. Um what I noticed is I've been there nine, ten weeks. What I've noticed is there's a little envy of me and how I work and because I'm not I'm coming from an outside agency working in the instructors wanna work me out. This is how I'm perceiving it. So even though there's a lawsuit that states this child needs all these uh amenities and accommodations, the teachers aren't honoring it. So I'm being phased out immediately. And um, I've been just for eight, seven weeks, I've been just pleading my case, just trying to explain, well, this is happening because this is happening, this is happening because I'm not allowed to do this, I'm not allowed to do that. So with one teacher, I was able to fight my way to assist the child. But the ladies aren't, aren't giving me the, any of that uh, leeway. The ladies are uh, very hard. The ladies are pushing me out. Um, there's a, a, a kid that was there a year prior, and I've talked about him before when he was in elementary school. So um, he enjoys me. He, he enjoys me. He, he, his anxiety well, his anxiety starting back up because now the female teachers are trying to keep us separated. Um, I'm only saying the female versus the male because his teachers are uh, the female uh, instructors and case masters. So uh, I uh, keep making statements that I'm not allowed to work with this particular child. I keep making these statements. I'm not allowed to work. So I go to the principal and make this statement about I'm not allowed to work. And I even said that I feel that one of the teachers wants me to work for her uh work with her in her district where her child goes to school 
and also do respite care for her child because I'm so super duper. I don't belong at that school. I belong with her kid. So I believe since I didn't take her up on an offer, it's she's making it complicated for me to work on top of the fact that she wants to run the show. It's like a lot of power there uh, and who's in control. Um, the teacher wants to be in control. Even her pair that she has, she doesn't allow the pair to work. And then the pair, yeah, so she doesn't allow the uh, her helper to work. She would prefer her helper just to just be patient and do as she's told. Um, file, uh, get some papers, that kind of stuff. Get the scissors organized. Or uh, ABC the color pencils, put them in color order, box them back up, that kind of thing versus she wants to be the main instructor. But with that, the children aren't listening. So I had to call a meeting on, well, there had to be a meeting call because it's, we're nine weeks and 10 weeks in, and um, I'm saying the same thing over and over. So the behavioralist called a meeting with uh, this aggressive teacher and um, that wants me to work with her her foster kid. And, um, she ended up stating that they're not allowing me to do what I'm there for. They don't even think I'm, she doesn't even think that the child that I'm there for needs me like that. All the other kids need me. And because they respect me, love me, listen to me, I need to be doing, there's something else needs to be created around me, but not what I'm there for. This is this white lady telling this, the behavior is another white lady. And so we're t- supposed to be talking about one kid, but she brings up the kid that's been there for a year prior. She brings him up. So then we're looking at each other, me and the behavioralist, like, who's she talking about? Like, what, well, what name did you say? Oh, the other kid. I know we're talking about one kid, but I, I just want to talk about this other kid. He adores you. He just, you just light up his life. You need to do so. You need to this and this and this and this and this. And so all the services that you have for this little black kid need to go to this kid. Now, this kid isn't classified as white, but he's not black. He's a a collage of different uh, things and might have one white grandparent somewhere around. But that's about it. So anyway, um, because this child causes so much terror in the school and he only listens to me, I don't know what's really going on behind the scenes with me, but what I've noticed is that I'm being pushed off the child that I'm there for. And today, in one of the classes, a teacher, um, she's complaining to me about the kids and the behavior and how, because she knows, everyone knows that I'm observing and I'm from an outside place. So who knows what I'm saying and who I'm reporting to. So her event. So she's telling me, oh, God, the kids, they're not even listening. I don't even think they, can, they they understand what I'm saying. They're not learning anything. They're definitely not learning anything, man. You're absolutely correct, right? So I've got this other creepy para that's going to come in that doesn't know anything, and she's going to come in and help with the one that you have and another kid. So I just look. So I care less because I still get paid. So I'm just observing this. Now, I started getting anxiety because I just knew it was going to be a disaster. So this one para lady, she goes by MX. So I guess it's pronounced mixed. So I don't have time for all that foolishness, so I just don't say anything to her. 
but she's always rushing me and approaching me. So like the first day of school, she just rushed me, bumped all into me, and just rawr. she's so she's real those alphabets are some serious stuff. So that X means X man or something. She just rush. She just that's how she is with the kids too. She's very aggressive and it's just awful. So um, so she gets the kids. You need to come over here now and listen to me. You were told to come over here and sit with me. So the young man that I'm there for. Now, mind you, I'm his care and I deal with his education and behavior, but nope. So anyway, so she has this strange lady. And then this one young man, he's an eighth grader. So he's going over to the lady, too. So he's like, mm-hmm. little guy, uh, I don't know what nationality he is. He's not black or white, but he's, you know, I'm not going. No. So, he's, uh. so then the teacher, she's whispering to him, go over there to the lady, go over there. So he's just sitting there. And so he had to get up, so he just fell on the ground. He just fell. Whoa, oh, oh, oh. I fell. Because that's how bad he didn't want to go. So he goes over there to her, and he just turns his back to her, and she's so aggressive with her style of uh, implementing the information. It was just awful. So at some point when I settle down, I'm going to um, send a message over because I had a meeting on Wednesday stating that I'm not allowed to work with the children. So I asked one of the teachers, can you just allow me access to him? Well, you know, I don't even know what that looks like. Because he doesn't need you, even though you're here for him every day and I don't let you work with him. I need you to do something. So the district needs to have you do something else because you're, you deal, you, you're able to deal with the kids. Behaving. You, I, I just, he's fine. He, he doesn't need you. I just need you to do other things in other places. And, I think other people have power that they're not using and they could do other stuff with you because we're not using you right. And and I'm not gonna. And sure enough, she didn't. um, But the parent came to observe today and saw how I'm not allowed to work with the kid as well. So I'm just, I'm going to, sometime tonight, I'm going to send the behaviorist an email. I'm going to send the principal an email. And I'm going to send... Uh, maybe Monday I'll wait and send maybe the head of special needs an uh, email because if I'm being phased out this quick, I could do something else. But I don't want to get set up to where it's like maybe I'm not working or you push this child that needs these services doesn't get the services because you believe that all these wonderful services should be for somebody else or maybe all the kids. And um, I, I just thought that was just so interesting, just watching how the children are just getting kicked around, kicked around, kicked around. We're in science. We're in science. This is sixth, seventh, and eighth grade middle school. Do you know we made fish? We made paper fish for science. We made paper fish. So we're cutting out construction paper, stuffing with the scraps, stuffing the fish somehow stapling it, and then we're throwing it, causing a fire hazard, it yawn, throwing it over the light fixtures to make the fish hang. That's that's what we're doing. And the kid that no one can control but me, I guess, he's whispering to me, she's not even a good science teacher. We're not learning anything in here. We're sitting in here coloring. My teacher last year, we dissected frogs. She's just lazy. She doesn't want to teach us anything. Look at her. Look at her faking like she's teaching because the principal's in here. This is the kid. So I went to the the science lady that he was talking about. 
So I walked to her class today. I said, are you Miss So-and-so? She said, yeah, nice-looking black lady. I said, well, you know, I just want to thank you for being a halfway decent science teacher because the young man, and she was surprised that this child talked about it. She said, Hoo. I said, yeah, that's mine. We're, 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 we're good together. So he talked to me about a lot of stuff, and he shared to me that he enjoyed your science class. So thank you because right now we're hating fish, but I just want to thank you. And she just, she was just excited that this child that doesn't even talk was excited about her science class, especially compared to this uh, preschool science uh, that we're doing. And just for kicks, the lady told the mom that her son is not even learning anything in her class. He's too advanced. Just that kind of stuff. So these are the games that they're playing with these kids to cheat them out of the services that they need. So... Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll leave my line. Wow. Well, bravo to Bay Area mom, uh, Dr. Kamal Kanban. That is right on his list, very high on his list. I think even Dr. Welsing, that would be a high commendation from Dr. Welsing. Another mention for her. Um, for that, both of that's black self-respect. Uh, have a black educator. They don't even allow too many black educators to do quality work. Uh, and she goes to find her. Excuse me, ma'am. Kudos to you. This young fella, you know, raves about your work in the classroom and it's STEM too. Your science. Bravo. Bravo. To go tell her that way she can feel great and then get that compliment from another black female. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. One educator to another. Yes. Thank you. Bravo. Um, I guess to the first point, I just checked because truthfully, I forgot her summa cum laude. Bay Area scholar, uh, young offspring. Uh, he was doing his uh, genius work across the continent in New England which he just told us he was on the program he was one of the ones I meant to ask fentanyl fentanyl did they <laughs> anyway <clears throat> so when she was saying that they went over to you know all of his honors and whoopee and be proud and dang the dispensary is right next to the college I was thinking because it's Bay Area mom. I was thinking Berkeley, you know. I associate Bay Area and doing genius things. University of Cal Berkeley. Go Bears. That's what I've Then It took me like, whoa, 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 whoa. He could have went to Berkeley, but no. He wanted to get out. He was across the continent. So this is New England where she's saying the dispensary right next to the college. So then I said, well, dang. I would already assume just because I did live in the Bay Area and that's the hub of all of the 1960s activity with uh, Woodstock and No Vietnam and Black Panther Party and all of that was right there in Berkeley and Oakland, which is basically the same thing to me, um, uh, that I would already assume that just from having lived there. And that's where they had lots of the smoke shops and things of that nature, even when it wasn't legal. So I would assume that that's where they would be once they became legal. I go and look on the map, so it's so close, it's hard for me to even measure. In fact, let me give it to you in a few different ways. For Cal Berkeley, because I used to think about it in terms of like high school, middle school, but college campuses, I hadn't thought of that. 
University of California, Berkeley, the main campus, right on Bancroft Way, they have the Apothecarium Cannabis Dispensary. This looks like you could pretty easily walk to the Social Sciences Building, the Department of German, the Cesar Chavez Student Center, the ASUC Student Union, Martin Luther King Center. (laughs) You could walk to all of this stuff pretty easily from the cannabis dispensary, Um, the College of Letters and Science, the Department of Integrative Biology. They probably got some frogs there. You could dissect and all that. It looks like you could get to all of this stuff pretty easily. The Bancroft Library. All of this stuff looks like it would be about five minutes or less of a what? I mean, a real leisurely stroll from the Apothecarium Cannabis Dispensary. And that's just one of many. Now, to give this in other terms, Berkeley Bowl, I'm very familiar with. I got organic yellow watermelon for the first time in my life from Berkeley Bowl. Whole Foods. I used to shop there all the time when I lived in the Bay Area. These two, what I think would be more essential than the cannabis dispensary. You need groceries more than you need the ganja. It is way further away to get to Berkeley Bowl, relatively speaking. You could probably still walk it, but man, it is not, it's nowhere near. They put the cannabis dispensary basically right in front of the university. Like, bang, so then I even stopped like, so University of Washington? Is it walking distance from a cannabis dispensary? Yes. In fact, I told you twice about the Target that's closing tomorrow. (laughs) Why is it closing? That's about three blocks from the University of Washington. Why is it closing? Drug use, theft, fentanyl, crazies. (laughs) Dang. So you walk two blocks from that Target bang dispensary and all of that is the dispensary is about a five block walk the target is three blocks I said you add two blocks from the target and you would be at the dispensary on 45th even Seattle Central Community College is it walking distance from a dispensary no it's walking distance from two dispensaries Yeah, I guess you better need to give out the uh, fentanyl test strips and all that at the colleges. Anyway, the other component, uh, the pushing her away, she had been talking about that, where they didn't want her to talk to the students that she already had a rapport with, which would seem the exact opposite, unless she's slipping them fentanyl or something. Uh, Don't talk to them and all that. She's talked about this for weeks now. Uh, and just wholesale, you know, whatever constructive things that you were doing with these darker students, you want to transfer that over here to these lighter students. And she said, you know, I don't think this little guy is classified as white, but he seems like he would not be classified as a black child. Black, get back. Dr. Welsing talked about that as well. She talked about so much. Forgot their alarm. Sorry about that. Anyway. She talked about so much expansive theory, uh, but the pushing 
black people away from helping those who need the most help really <laughs> we should think about all that that is so common where we get the least amount of help and then they try to give us the like the brand they don't want to give us the experienced educators who've had the best highfalutin educate like nah, nah, nah. that's for the little white children they've got bright futures so called give us the folks that barely passed and all that might slip you some fentanyl that type of thing uh, and then all of the aggression she talked about the staff remember I don't even know what all that is with the MX and I appreciate what she said that I'm not you know going to combat anybody on that I know Fuller talks about you know just call people whatever they want to be called leave it at that I'm not here to you know have any battles conflict with anyone about how they want to be addressed in the workplace no problem not an issue at all if anything it's minimize contact I'll just leave this person alone do whatever you're doing especially if she said the person comes in and is being aggressive why is that a pat like we've heard that for years when she talks about people that she uh, colleagues really in the classroom working with children young children these aren't even you know teens that are about to be adults and what they call it smelling themselves you know thinking they're grown and they want to bop you upside the head and all the rest these are like 10 year olds like dang they I mean I don't know I guess they could get on your nerves but these are little people why is everybody being so aggressive I know it's October now so we can't say you know school year just started they've been there for a few weeks now they've been there basically a month now so I mean you know we got to crack the whip, as they say, plantation metaphor, which, you know, we got to crack or get on Leroy, you know, spare the rod. You spoil the child. Biblical metaphor. It seems kind of plantational too. probably both religion of white supremacy. But that's what they say. Dang, they just come out of the gate and they're aggressive with everybody. They're aggressive with the other staff. They're aggressive with the students. Like, yeah, I remember they, they came in the first day. Like, what? You think you're going to skip? What? What? You looking at me? What? You looking at her? Don't you talk to her? Get over here. Get. She said the lady that comes in with the accent and everything like, what? You're not listening to me. Obey right now. Like, dang, why are you talking to children like this? Are we in prison? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Banish them to the black Remember, <laughs> They called in and asked, is that a metaphor? Is that like for real? You get that? Yes, man. Yes. Plantation style. Banished. It's 100 degrees. Banished. Teach you to misbehave in class. You will obey. That would be another one. Before you get to the bedroom. Think. Are we really going to see? So this is the same thing. I don't know too many people. If you experienced, if you got someone like that, a black female science teacher, they dissected frogs. I don't know if everybody got that. I didn't have too many black teachers. Certainly didn't have very many black male educators. But that's something to think about. Like, that's what we're going to do all this. Nine months of all this labor. Ask Mama C about that. Just go through that. We got other moms. Man. To send them to this? Be banished to the blacktop? Fuss that for speaking to a teacher that I worked with before? Anyway, uh, what is it from the mouths of babes? 
she said the little fellow who has a reputation for not talking that that's even staggering as well I guess one a brilliant educator here she should get a raise or finish the masters and get out of the classroom altogether but she's done such brilliant work with this little fella hey he's open all up man he tell all that is stunning to be sitting there and he's like man Jesus is up here faking and I mean that is detailed she is just up here faking being absurd trying to act like she's doing something and I mean that is like the worst indictment in the world she is lazy that is like hang your head in shame I have never the students called the teacher lazy oh I would be so embarrassed like that's that's what you think of me as an educator that I'm I'm not even trying just whatever let's just wind out the clock do we have any slides can we watch a movie or something Woo! let's do the com- yes computer time that's what it is everybody we're gonna do silent reading and computer time I'm gonna take a load off Woo! that's what you think <laughs> like, oh my god and then we dissected frogs last year detailed scientific talking about anatomy you got me in here painting drawing fishes lazy <laughs> oh my god what is going on like man that if if the observer is there oh my god can you walk over here uh little fella say that one more time <laughs> like oh my god <laughs> and that's not even funny cuz that's what we did all this we did all that prenatal care 9 months picking a name breastfeeding we did all that for this it's a lot to think about before you get to the bedroom are we really like just more more of the where the children that's another reason just talk to your children honestly about racism it's so much that they observe they are, man man that is not this little fella is not an idiot at all so I'm dissecting frogs, man. Got me in here painting fish. They do a whole lot of that painting fish with dark children. They do a whole lot. <laughs> they put that crown in Leroy's hand. Right on. We got salmon galore. Get the paint. <laughs> You'll be doing that right on through high school, man. Get you a diploma and have a painted fish on it. Can't even spell fish. Or salmon. Number again, 605-313-5164, decode 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. The mental health component, again, if we have folks, uh, do you work someplace where you, you know, could share? mental health issue or they bring it up voluntarily this is something that they talk about and encourage people to make sure that you check in and 
are doing okay, that sort of thing. Get a plan together if you feel like you're being stressed or, you know, whatever, having some anxiety, whatever the issue is. Do they have that sort of thing? Because that, that would be unusual. Like I said, I've been in many places. They wouldn't even let me go to the bathroom without obstacle and challenge. Uh, I will... Th- that report, just because we do have a number of uh, folks who either they are doing delivery driving or have done that. We have lots of non-white people. That's very widespread uh, on the plantation of white supremacy racism. Uh, that report about the uh, female driver or delivery driver in Florida uh, who was mauled by a German shepherd just trying to drop off packages Man, I don't know if your company, if they have a policy on hounds or how to protect yourself or if you have a personal policy, but man, that I would think about that. I know they uh, we have people who do uh, mail deliver, like working for the U.S. Post Office and that type of thing. And they've talked about uh, it's the high number of postal workers who get attacked by dogs and what to do. Do you have mace and that sort of thing? Man, um I don't know. I mean, it looked awful. Like they had video uh, of what happened. And I know many, I've been at uh, many a residence where they have a dog and Amazon or the mail carrier, whatever. Uh, they just come to drop off something and the dog goes berserk uh, where they have to go and literally pick the dog up or take him to another room. Like I've seen where that's very common where they just, they get, they don't like strangers and all that type of thing. Uh, but man, uh, for folks who do delivery work, I would for sure check the policy and procedure. If they have any recommendations to help, uh, keep you safe. Uh, I guess trying to be alert, using your ears as best you can to hear if you're hearing any barking or things of that nature to know, Oh, better back up, check around, know what's going down. White dog type of. A thing, but yeah, that uh, was quite uh, horrifying. And yeah, they do say that that is very common for uh, delivery drivers and such uh, to end up being, at minimum, barked at, if not, you know, attacked. All the rest of it, mace, call, all the rest. Man, even uh, folks who get packages delivered, if they have a dog, maybe even see if they can, you know, get the reminder up. Uh, from the company about, you know, make sure your hound is secured. If this is something where there's got to be a signature and that sort of thing, look out for the, look out for the driver. Anywho, let's see. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have uh, suggestions and or your own situation to share, uh, star six, one line should be open. Let's see. Hello, may I be heard? Lauren with us as well. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Um, Good evening, everyone. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Um, In answer to your question about the mental health, I don't think I would really feel um, comfortable talking to people on the job about my mental health. That seems um, a bit much. And also, I thought um, in that segment, they were talking about – I think they said, like, most people trust their supervisors or trust their manager or something like that. And I just wondered, like, could that actually be true? I I mean, I've only had, I don't know, maybe two, three uh, managers in my entire life that I didn't actively dislike. So, you know, just the idea of trusting one, it seems 
I don't know. I guess I just trust them to be themselves. Um, uh, reference the stuff that was played today, the fentanyl and the colleges. I'm thinking about that. Like, like, is it constructive to give them those strips? I mean, maybe, you know, because I don't, you know, want people to overdose and stuff like that. But it's just sad, I guess. Um, Vermont paying people, um, you know, $5,000 to stay for two years. $5,000 isn't really that much money, but, um, yeah, I guess, you know, if you have loans and you can pay your loans down, you know, that could be helpful. Um, I also, um, within, well, and it was like today. Yeah, today. Um, there was an article on NPR, and I think it was called, like, When Your Boss Is Your Landlord. Um and it talked about how employees, correction, employers are offering rentals to their workers. And, you know, and they were saying, like, the severe housing shortage is driving the trend. And I could see, you know, how that lady, you know, who speaks Spanish, works at the hotel and has to drive two or three hours each way per day or whatever. Um, you know, she would really appreciate maybe, you know, the hotel that she worked at if they had housing to offer her that was reasonably priced, you know, if it was cheaper than what she had. But then it just made me ask myself so many questions. Like if your employer is also your landlord, like what happens when you lose your job? Or, you know, if you don't want to go to work one day, if you call in sick or something like that, or, you know, what if you try to, what if your working conditions aren't great and you try to improve your working conditions for yourself and your coworkers, do they evict you? Um, you know, can these people effectively give you a pay cut um, by raising your rent? You know, it just seems like the employer would have an inordinate amount of control over um, the people who stayed in that housing, the, the company housing. Um, yeah. Um, and also, I, I, again, I guess I was thinking about the mental health thing and that white woman on my job who's always mistreating me. We were in a staff meeting maybe two months ago. And, you know, she says how sad it makes her, you know, when people don't get to take their use or lose leave. And, you know, but then when I took my leave, it was just straight racist harassment. So, Again, it's just one of those things where people say like they care, they use these terms like work-life balance, but uh, not that's true, I, I don't think. Uh, I think really, you know, uh, people are interested in mistreating you. Not every person, but it's it's a big concern. Um, that's all I have for now. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Hmm. With the uh, strips, Lauren, what uh I know you said you had I guess you were ambivalent about the giving out the test strips at the colleges what what could be the potential problem from giving the test strips out I don't know I, you know maybe it seems silly or old fashioned I'm just wondering if it might encourage um students to take some pills that they did not get from the pharmacy because they can check to see if it's fentanyl. They still don't know what it is. I mean, I guess they can say what it's not, but I don't know. I'm just wondering if it's going to increase um, them engaging in risky behavior. 
I see. I see. Seems like there's a lot of that already, but I don't know. That's that's why I said I was that was on my list to ask the high school like to see like how widespread this is because we've already had reports of kindergartners who have contacted fentanyl and then they've been saying like high school and such uh, where they're having children that are being addicted and overdosing and all the rest so man and they have so much drug use that's the other thing there's so much white drug use at colleges anyway that's the other component where I could see like yeah they're gonna have to the test because they already they got the dispensaries like they got the gummy the jelly bean THC and the gummy worm CBD and the Adderall and uh, there is so much drug use and underage drinking at the colleges that yeah I mean oh and I think that's been the case for so many decades that like yeah I think I'm at this point I suspect that might be overriding the whatever encouragement but yeah there's a lot of trouble just wow wow it is staggering uh white people's access to drugs is staggering much obliged uh lauren now see she said that's what kind of in line with my thinking with regards to the ambivalent or not ambivalence but man i don't know feel comfortable telling my manager or even other co-workers you know about my mental health issues and thinking that they're going to be sympathetic and oh man what can we do to help sorry to hear that Gus like I what (laughs) she said she said I I disliked except for like two or three of them I disliked them all like what do you mean trust like what what we're on the plantation Uh, she didn't even make a distinction I mean I guess they could have all been white but wouldn't surprise me I mean I've had non-white managers more than once she didn't even make a distinction most people do not I said even if it was all individuals classified as black they all got eight great or eight grandparents classified as black even then or four grandparents classified as black even then I am not come here tell you all my problems talk all about it you understand me don't you black brother black sister are you serious <sighs> anyway um, like I said if you are having mental health issues I would try and couch it in terms of something else um, like a loss in the family or it could be lots of things um, stress from children back in you don't have to go into details just you know they're having having to put more time and energy to make sure everything's correct with them they're doing right getting things taken care of and whatever but something where it's kind of nondescript and yeah I don't know if I would feel very comfortable doing that sort of thing and again like I said I could see where in some jobs that might be used against you when it comes time for promotion or what have you like oh, you were a little unstable I don't know we can trust <laughs> like that type of a thing like seriously I could see that being a scenario easily Uh, even for some individuals classified as white anyway uh, let's see number again 605-313-51 
six four the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate i didn't get to share about the hotel workers that are striking in california lauren uh raised that point like they probably would appreciate if the hotel had some sort of housing for them uh that was close to where they worked and affordable so they didn't have to do that monstrous get up at 3 a.m. and commute for hours every day and all that crazy gas and everything else I'm sure they would appreciate that but that would raise some questions because uh, that is kind of sharecropperish if not plantational um, like it can you go on strike can they raise your rent can they raise your rent to lower your wages and all the, I mean just yeah that would raise some interesting questions how long do you have to vacate if you get fired and that would raise some questions um that would raise some i have seen those sort of uh arrangements uh before i've even seen that where the company owned housing for the workers that you could work there i think you worked there so long where you actually end up eventually owning it outright i don't know you know what the logistics are in the interim (laughs) how long it takes before you get to that point and what happened like if you go on strike if you get fired if you get demoted that sort of thing what happens yeah that would be a lot to uh to process but man uh system of white supremacy the housing issue they make that so difficult something that is essential breathing place to rest water they make all of those things difficult in the system of racism white supremacy deliberately so uh let's see uh, folks who wrote in, uh, let's see, email number one. Uh, greetings, Gus. I just had a fascinating experience with what I assume was a white woman on a voicemail message at work. I was asked to give this suspected racist white woman a call to help her with advertising. When I called her back, she informed me that she had already placed an advertisement with someone else. I asked her if she knew who she spoke with because I didn't see any ad scheduled for her under the information that she gave to me. She informed me that she didn't know her name but that it was a black woman. Now this was supposedly done over the phone. So I ask a logical question. How do you know that she was black? Her. Are you seriously asking me that question? me yes how can you tell awkward silence i break the silence by letting her know that i didn't find the advertisement in our computer system she hung up on me fascinating fascinating it's so interesting that suspected racist white people will answer and what they won't answer indeed indeed all of that is so the wasting time I guess I'd come back to that first and foremost so wasting time did you even make the advertisement with us in the beginning was all of this just some racist joke to waste time and all of this to begin with wasting time that is such a a huge component of the system of white supremacy racism so then we get past that like okay did the ad before okay who'd you do it with logical question who'd you do it with 
Oh, uh, you know, it's, it's some 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 black woman. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. How'd you know it was a black woman? She's. <laughs> you serious? <laughs> what is? What all? I mean, that's just wow, wow. Great jobs. Just staying in the question lane. Yeah. How did you? How did you conclude? I, hey, Gusty says that all the time. Like, man, those voices are not reliable. Like I would, I tell folks that all the time. Like you had better investigate. Like I would not. You will be fooled often. So yes, let it. I mean, if you have a foolproof code, you know, this is a black person based on. Give it up. Why is that? You know, that's valuable. That could keep a whole lot of us from making mistakes and such in the future. Nah. And then she just hangs up the phone. That's why I said, like, was this all just a racist, you know, joke to begin with? We're going to play some pranks on the Negra today, do some fake advertisement, all this, get him thinking he's going to have his time, and boom, boom, boom. And then, oh, yeah, we just call it, nah, nah, nah. Talk to a different black woman. We got a black sister hooking up for us. What? And then hang up the phone. To be expected. Uh, let's see. Number again, 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. The email until justice at gmail.com. Until justice at gmail.com if you have offspring almost any age might be good to ask them do you know what fentanyl is just you know see what they say they say no okay they say yes maybe they teach you something (laughs) what do you know about fentanyl not like in a judgment just yeah curious you know See what they say. Uh, Let's see. So many children self-medicating. That was a part of the logic that was used at the Ohio State. Sue Klebo, alma mater. Uh, Let's see. Make sure, share, let folks know that we are live. If you think other non-white people, they might be having difficulties in the workplace. Share the broadcast. Let them know we are on live. They can give us a jingle if they're having issues in the workplace and maybe we could do our best use logic offer some potential suggestions ways to minimize problems maybe even preempt them in the workplace I did neglect the report on the USDA and the black farmers in Alabama it is all that is I'd say one area we should probably do more uh, everybody eats Hopefully everybody eats lots of produce. So black farmers certainly are important and the gargantuan levels of racism that they have experienced for years and years and years. So many levels of it. We talk about black land ownership and all of that. There you go. But that report where they talked about the black farmers in Alabama, they had to go and fill out all this paperwork 
they said that they got the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This is not some, you know, rinky-dink outfit or one toothless white person. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has a 40-page form asking trick questions. I almost wished I had done the rewind. Like, man, I, worthless Negro from Virginia, Gusty Renegade, I get accused of asking trick questions on this program all the time. I do not do that. Come and ask the same question 15 different ways on the program. Now, maybe I should. Who's more informed about racism? Figure out 15 different ways of asking that question throughout the broadcast. They said they got 40 pages of old tricky questions asking the same question several different ways. And then they didn't mention it, but I will because I think it's important. So you got a form that's 40 pages for Negroes where you for years and you is individuals classified as white at large. You have willfully, deliberately withheld quality education from these people for decades. Now we're going to go ask tricky questions and take 40 pages of paper. They said the form used to be five to eight pages. Now it mushroomed to 40 pages. They accuse me of asking slippery questions. That what Neely Fuller Jr. says the primary method for white people practicing white supremacy racism is deception that 40 pages of tricky questions that is your primary method of white supremacy racism right there and that's going to be super effective one just because like I said you got a whole lot of black people what did we just hear from Bay Area mom you probably got whole lots of black people they literally they can't even read the form like what are you talking about and now it's got to be 40 pages of tricky questions Again, the U.S. that's not the Klan in Alabama that's the U.S. Department of Agriculture shout to Shirley Sherrod let's see get one more email see if folks uh, have other thoughts mental health component or other tips they would like to share uh, let's see email number two uh, hi Gus cows audience and callers very very reluctantly uh, I agree to renaming incompetent carry to work avoidant Wanda oh he talked about this last week if you can't type it's almost 2025 yes yes that is I think incompetent carry can at least type it seems because she begs for the black people to come and do her work and such all the time so yeah I think if you cannot type, you are the queen of incompetence. You can get a 10-year-old to type. Now, we will have work-avoidant Wanda as the caller in Florida's work colleague is even less competent. I'm not based in the same office as work-avoidant Wanda, so I cannot say for sure if she can type competently. She does send emails, so I'll assume she has some typing skills. However, all her emails are laid out as if she's writing a poem, not sending formal work emails. Maybe she is. Maybe she's just very lyrical. 
so she has so much free time that's why that's why she doesn't want to work she's so carefree in her spirit and her life she has you know she's just always thinking of poetry and her next you know frolic of life can't be confined to the office and all the rigors nine to five you know anyway she continues uh she does press the hard return at the end of her sentences but I don't think she understands what paragraphs are or why you why we use them paragraphs are kind of overrated anyway so work avoiding Wanda does dress for work AWOL Annie is the culprit who does doesn't get out of bed until 2 p.m. or see the point of changing out of her bed clothes for work meetings okay got that Work avoidant Wanda turns up for work more frequently than AWOL Annie, but hasn't many tricks up her sleeve beyond falsely claiming flexi leave. She took sick leave last week, Friday, to avoid having to chair a meeting which was quite important, so our non-white black manager chaired it. Yesterday, she tried to get me to chair the next meeting. I got a message asking if she could back out of the meeting as she was reviewing job applications for her replacement. I didn't answer her. I was planning to attend, but I have my own workload, and she is the lead on setting up these meetings. I was also not going to be part of her excuse for not turning up to that meeting. She can make her own decision and keep my name out of it. Our non-white black manager was due to be on leave, but she had to work that day as Jeffrey Dahmer's greatest fangirl has COVID. Oh, no! And there was urgent work my manager needed to pick up. I don't think she would have been happy if work avoidant Wanda wasn't at the meeting. She did turn up to the meeting. She dropped out of a different meeting last week, leaving me to write up the notes of the meeting our non-white black manager requested. At that time, she just dropped a note in the meeting chat letting me know she was leaving the call. The meeting topic was quite complex, so of course, work avoidant Wanda avoided it. See, this type of stuff right here, where if this had been like a black person, let's say uh, work avoidant Wanda, this other white chick, uh, let's say they were black people. And every time something that's kind of challenging pops up, like, you know, I don't really want to do this. This seems like it might be, you know kind of difficult that type of a thing yeah I don't think I'm going to show up to that one this is the meeting I'm supposed to leave but this is kind of complex can I find something Jamal hey hey buddy black brother look here Uh, you go ahead and lead and sometimes you get a non-white person they might be excited like hey this white person is looking out for me and they're going to put me in charge let me get my shine on for a meeting and all that and nah man (laughs) This is real difficult, Leroy. So I'm going to back out. I'm going to let you do this one. And if you look like you messed it up and all that, oh, well, (laughs) you take all those arrows. I'll slip in and maybe I'll correct it if I figure it out. And yeah, they can, uh, they'll fuss at you. And I'm going to even see if I can get somebody else to take the next one too. Like, dang, that would look kind of, look here. Let me see. Uh, Lakeisha, look here. Uh, I got me scheduled to lead next Wednesday, but I think I am feeling verklempt and, uh, I'm Peekit. Might have the Rona. I don't know. But you think you could leave next Wednesday? <laughs> and then like, yes, it's super complicated, but I'm not even going to tell her that. If that was us doing that sort of thing on a regular basis, 
Oh, man, we would be called in like, what is up with this, man? These are important meetings, man. We put you on this project for a reason. Why do you keep backing out like that? Oh, uh, well, you know, uh, 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 uh. Anyway, she continues. Uh, there are a few of us. Uh, there were a few of us involved in the job application shortlisting. My manager had asked for volunteers, and I put my name forward because I wanted to understand the process, and it was very informative. Right on. I'm offended for the candidates to have someone like work avoidant Wanda reviewing their applications, an incompetent person assessing the competence of others. Another racist suspect male who was also shortlisting suggested a candidate was cheating because they were referenced a project that had they had worked on more than once in their application. It's not cheating. As another racist suspect manager let him know, how is that cheating? If I were so it's true, I did work on this project. You can only mention a project that you worked on one time. <laughs> That is so clowning. Like, well, see there that even that she said that it was informative being on the app. Do you see that? I mean, just you get people that aren't even qualified. Like, how did you get through the application screening process yourself? One. And then you get people with this sort of like arbitrary influence on this process. Anyway, uh, the project the applicant uh, mentioned is for non-white black people. Candidate names are removed from applications as the process is supposed to be blind to reduce the likelihood of bias or racism. Hmm. I'm sure the project has white people involved, but it is highly likely the candidate is black, which is why the suspect suggested they were cheating. He was practicing racism, trying to negatively influence the panel. Now that is like, wow, what the detail about what, what the, the project that was mentioned twice, this is something that seems like it's helping black people like, Oh God. Oh, oh. Yeah. cheating, cheating, cheating. Oh yeah. Cheating right here. Yep. Yep. See there. See there. Yep. Yep. Right here. Right here. Put that one in black. Now, if that had been, I can't imagine if you had said you worked at the soup kitchen. You donated sardines when they had the earthquake in Haiti and you mentioned that twice. Why is that cheating? Anything you, you know, I wanted to help out the LGBTQ plus uh, community because I think they've been bullied. Now, I want to mention that twice. Why is that, you know, I went after one of the many, 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 many school shootings, you know, and I went in donated bulletproof vests you know told them i was sorry gave him a copy of sue klebold's book i mentioned that twice how was that cheating <laughs> hey man make up rules too and if if there could have been a different person different manager who might have said oh he did mention it yeah that is a good point good point that is cheating Let's get on the, uh, see if you can get on those panels and such, just to learn, take advantage. That's why I said when you're in these positions, Mr. Fuller says, talked about that all the time. When you're on the job, you're trying to learn as much as you can that is constructive. Learn about racism, learn about your job, learn about everything that is constructive. 
got on this panel hey i learned about that learn about racism wow <laughs> black person or whomever it could have been a white person it could have been a white person we don't know could have been a white person who worked on some sort of project to help the poor negroes that happens a lot right just the mention of that ah, that 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 yep x this one out that right here right here got some old nigger cheating right here she continues uh a different applicant mentioned that she was the only woman working on a project in one of her examples, which stood out to me. I suspect she was white. Did she mention it twice? I could be wrong, and I have no evidence that this was a white person, but I don't believe most black women highlight their gender in their applications. Really? Hmm. I don't know. I am not a female never have been I don't know I feel like you could I don't know I don't know I I don't know I don't know I think I've heard a good number of situations where it was someone who was not white and they did highlight the fact that they were the only female in a situation and and I would even say that might be advantageous in a system of racism white supremacy so I don't want to emphasize that at all that I'm non-white I want to emphasize that I am a female I am here in solidarity with my white sisters and we want to do something about patriarchy maybe or we just want to be happy and you know recognized whatever it is but not talking about no racism not at all Mm -mm. I could see where that but yeah I think I've I've seen that Uh, I don't think I'm not a female. Other folks can let us know. Have you seen have you seen that situations where non-white females and or uh, individuals who are classified as a black female specifically where they publicly highlight I am the only female in this situation. They don't have any women in this field, in this position, whatever. And I'm a woman here and they don't really highlight or emphasize their non-white blackness they don't talk about that at all let us know I'll finish the email um, on an application so highlighting this on an application or publicly let us know the R&B King left the team last week he had returned from two weeks in Japan before starting his new role he told me that it was very similar to the city we live in in terms of infrastructure etc he also mentioned there were lots of tourists that get in the way and slow you down he acknowledged that he was also a tourist but a superior one dang dang <laughs> make it plain white man I said nothing I said that's nothing need be said but I just make note put that in the diary superior I suspect he's talking about non white we got all these no count dark people slant eyes just talking about Vietnam got all these folks here slowing me down getting in my way I'm a superior white man having my fun in Japan you're slowing me down move I'm a superior white man that's how they view the world like I love it just confirmation what does it mean to be white why are you here incidentally since you're a superior white man why are you here what are you doing here? 
you go hang out with the other superior white people? Studying their dark people. I would have been curious about that. Maybe he'll share that later. Why did you go to Japan? What are you, what are you up to there? You there studying, sexually sewering non-white people? Like, what are you doing? Adopting children? What are you doing in Japan? Did you go to the memorial where they dropped the bombs? What are you doing in Japan, superior white man? Seems like were you in a hurt? Like, it seemed like you had like some sort of uh, itinerary, right? You were in a hurry. You weren't just sitting in the hotel room. They were slowing you down. What did you do? Be nosy, you know. Anyway, much obliged for the email. Now, she the context was specific to the application. So that might be more specific on an application. Individuals might be more likely to identify. Yes, I am a black female on a work application or college application type of a thing. I don't know. They just had affirmative. I don't know. I don't know. I do not know because they were just talking about that, too, after the affirmative action uh, decision. And even that's bizarre because females white women the maximum beneficiaries from affirmative action but they've been talking about do you talk about racism i haven't seen one report where they said do you talk about the fact that you're a female not one they got tons of them they say do i mention that do i include that i was in the program to help out black children do i say, do i leave that off i don't want to they just they've had tons of reports uh maybe i'll include one next week at the beginning but they've had lots of them that's why i said like i think i don't know i'm not a female but i it's my view i've seen illustrations of that uh publicly application might be a little different but publicly where they would a non-white female even a female who's classified as a black female they would identify publicly and say that i'm the only female in this space i'm the only woman in this space where would, they would not say anything about their racial classification. Other folks can let me know if they've seen that. Is that crazy? Not seen that at all? Other folks can let us know as well. Uh, the number 605-313-5164. The code 564-9436. Pound, press star six one if you would like to participate. Let us know uh, mental health in the workplace. Are you comfortable sharing, or do you think there would be some sort of retaliation? Uh, and then let us know. Do you is that something that you observe uh, and or practice? I don't know uh, where non-white female they will just identify. I'm a female beyond the gender component and totally leave out the racial component. Just ah, I'm not a black female. I'm just a female here and I'm here as a woman. Um, you can let us know that one as well. If you have other situations or uh, <clears throat> suggestions, tips related to the workplace, you can let us know that as well. Uh, star six one. If you're on the phone line, let's see other folks with commentary to share. folks they're getting their thoughts together what have you or spectating not for spectators uh, give folks uh, maybe another five or so if they have thoughts to share or if they're satisfied uh, one of the news reports I wanted to make sure I included as well uh, this uh, just from 
October 15, the Detroit News, Toledo man sues DTE Energy in federal court over alleged discrimination. Retaliation should be racism. A uh, former DTE employee, Energy employee is suing the utility over alleged racial discrimination and retaliation. In a federal lawsuit filed last week in Detroit's U.S. District Court, Jason McClellan, who is black, alleges that his supervisor used a racial slur in front of him and the company retaliated against him for uh, participating in an ethics investigation into the incident. That's what I mean about, you know, if you tell him you got mental health issues. His attorney, Amanda Gonman, Gon, I'm sorry, said it was extremely disturbing that DTE permitted a white supervisor to use a racial slur. And then when Mr. McClellan complained about it, fired him while permitting the supervisor who used the slur to advance in the company. She said it's just a really distir disturbing disparity in treatment and in the year 2023 we should not still be seeing this happening. That's, I love that for it is 2023. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Until we produce justice it, it is 3035. Uh, McClellan, who was a supervisor overseeing 16 employees, said that in the filing that in January 2022, he attended a meeting with two other employees and his supervisor, John Wagner, uh, with his supervisor, John Wagner. Wagner said at the meeting he had taken a DNA test to determine his racial and ethnic background. He told McClellan that the test results showed that he had some African in him, the document said. Wagner, according to the complaint, said to McClellan, now I can start saying what's up my nigra to you DTE placed Wagner on a paid two week suspension while they investigated the incident he was allowed to return to work and was ultimately promoted so let me get this straight so the punishment paid two week suspension I don't even think that's correct Where I mean that's like you got a two week vacation <laughs> thank you I said they do that a lot of times you can kill a negro with a badge and you'll get like paid two weeks leave and then they decide that it was warranted and you get to come on back and get your promotion and you don't even need back pay because you want paid leave the whole time anyway he just got like paid vacation in the middle of and the early part of autumn you can go hunting fishing Go south, get one last trip in to South Florida, go beaching, all that. Come back refreshed. I got a tan and everything. It's the middle of October. Paid vacation, man. <laughs> Come on. And, and get promoted. You got employees uh, down at the quarters. He said black female been there for 19 years. He didn't say she had any record incidents of calling white people crackers and using racial slurs at the courthouse. 19 years can't get a promotion they got to investigate me using slurs against my colleagues climbing the corporate ladder zoom my way right on to the top let's see DTE representative Dan Miner said the company can't comment specifically on pending litigation but he noted that DTE has a zero tolerance uh, zero tolerance for employees who discriminate based on race, gender or other personal characteristics of course uh, 
I said consistently I would not talk about anything in the workplace uh, except things that have to do with the job. You want to learn about things that are constructive, but really let's keep it focused on the job. Now, Mr. McClellan did not initiate this. What's reported, Mr. Wagner comes in and starts this off. Hey, I took the DNA test. Now that almost immediately time for me to walk away. I already, I don't know this Wagner fella, but I mean, really, all of this sounds like he knew he was going to come in and say something tacky to this Negro specifically because this this doesn't work any other. This is another one. You can't be ignorant about racism because he didn't go find. I'm sure there are white people who work at DTE. I'm going to guess that they are not just overflowing with Negroes at this Michigan outlet. I could be wrong. But he could have went and found so he could have went and found some of his white buddies. I'm extra extra cool. We tell these sort of uh, uh, raucous jokes, body jokes, racist jokes. We do this all the time. He could have went and found one of them. Oh, man. I'm going to be bringing in KFC chicken every day. I took the DNA test and oh, man, sub. are you serious? Man, I went and got rap tapes right now. He could have did that. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, man. Calling your black brother from that. He, they could have did all that. Nope, that's not what he did. I'm going to wait. Find Mr. McClellan. They didn't say that's, you know, that's my homie. We've been hanging out for years. And we went on lunch, you know, every day for the whole time that I worked at DTE. And our families, they didn't say all that. I'm going to go find Mr. McClellan. And oh, boy. Black brother. You got a surprise all these years. It doesn't get any better than tacky. Really, if anything, this is the sort of thing you can expect at the Thanksgiving party, the Halloween party, the Christmas party, the New Year's Eve party, all of the above, since that's the season that we're heading to. That's what you can expect someone classified as white they get some liquor in them or what have you they're at one of these it, we're, we're technically not at work so we're chilling a little bit you know saying oh you can let your hair down and just let them roll that's why I say be there 30 minutes sober you have somebody else with you you hear anything like that put that in the workplace diary we are out of here that sort of thing in the workplace and even someone says something like that to you in the workplace now I said for one I would be on alert if it's somebody that you don't really talk to like that in the workplace and they come up to even say something like that to you like whoa we don't talk about each other's children your vacation plans what your goals are for 2024 we don't discuss none of that why are you gleefully looking to tell me about your DNA results nah I'm good <laughs> Like once they even come up to start all that like mm-hmm. and just, what I said before you just keep your feet moving now if you're seated and they come up with all of this that's when I said too get up and just go to the bathroom want you anything that even sounds like it doesn't you should have that in your head it doesn't get any better than tacky. It doesn't get any better than tacky. They come up to get into all of that. Oh man, 
I had my DNA test. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to excuse myself and go to the restroom. And you just leave. And they come back, hey, Leroy, I wanted to tell you about my DNA. You know, I'm, I'm really, I don't share my DNA results on the job. I don't really need to know that information. Thank you kindly. And you could just, that's not being rude. That's not being discourteous. But I mean, that's not our job, right? We just make the chicken nuggets. We're just at the fryer. We don't need to know genetic history. That's not important. I'm not doing any, any in-depth family genealogy. We're good. Thank you. That's all. You can be courteous and declining, but cut that off. With Walter Beach, the third Super Bowl champion, played with Jim Brown, the late, cut it at the knees. That's if you see it. Now, once they start all of that, you don't. that's another one. We heard zip. You don't have to say anything. That's one. You can pull out uh, your phone or you can do it the old school pen and pad, whatever, and just write that down. All that. I mean, I would write it down slow and I would be looking them right in the eye exactly the way that they said it. Now, I can start saying what's up my nigger and however they said it if they put the hard r on it back nigger and you can even ask them for clarification did you say nigger or nigger nigger and maybe even put in parentheses nigger question mark to you put that in quotes date time boom 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 that's what you said maybe he'll sign it boom put his next signature next to it if you got witnesses that might be one if he said this in front of anybody did you hear him say that question write that down can you confirm that he did just say that I'm not making that up okay boom thank you and we just go about the work day. Nothing else even need to be said. That would be another one that I suspect it's probably not going to be too many more times that they say something like that in front of you. That's another one. Composure, composure, composure. This is so common. Maybe not necessarily the DNA component of it. That's a, you know, they always find new ways of doing the same thing to boil down to call you a negro. Same thing, basically. That's where we go. All these roads lead back to the same thing. The main thing, composure. If Mr. McClellan, when all this goes down, now nah, I can come in and say, what's up, my nigga? Bow. He put the Mike Tyson, put these hands on you. You don't call me a nigga. It's 2023. You called my ancestors a coon. You're not going to call me. Okay, you can do that. I've seen where that goes, where they call the police and they come and drag you away and you get fired too and they press charges to the maximum extent of the law we talked about that before already in fact we talked about that where a black female had to serve time in prison and she was hit first and retaliated so much less just because somebody said something that you didn't like and you bop them upside the head or get loud and cause a big kerfuffle like no no composure you should expect to be called a nigger on the job by a white person or non-white person at some point in your work career, maybe multiple times, but it should not be at, or even hearing a white person saying nigger, calling you a nigger, calling other black people, niggers or whatever it is that's going to happen 
in your work career already have in mind this is the codified way that I'm going to handle this where I do not get fired and this works out to my benefit nowhere in that equation should it be I go up I put my hands on go upside pow pow sure you don't talk to I'm a proud black man you don't talk to not codified at all uh, we'll have to see what happens uh, with all this but I have seen this sort of like tacky old thing before like where I bet uh, Mr. Wagner like where they sat and planned all of this like they get there he might not have even got African or whatever he could have just made all of that up who knows if he even took the DNA test but where they sit around and plan this like oh I'm going to get Leroy tomorrow I'm going to go in there and tell him I got the DNA test and I'm I'm going to tell him yeah I'm 2% Zimbabwe Robert Mugabe my cousin you see my black brother and I say ooh hooroo my necro ooh hooroo I'm going to get Leroy <laughs> they sit around and plan these old racist jokes I'm telling you sit around like nothing else to do same way I told Lauren she sit around on her Friday but get that nigga woman she thinks she's slick she not do who even told her she don't even know how to spell four day work week who told her she didn't have to work on a Friday but get that nigga woman that's how she spent her Friday Mr. Wagner he's sitting around I'm gonna get that nigga Mr. McClellan I don't even know how he got this job why we even hire niggers at DTE call that nigger get him come in wait till the mama come in never be surprised white people practicing racism job anywhere else composure let's see uh, have to follow that case that's the one you follow away if you're in Michigan other folks uh, dialed in if you have a hand up commentary to share don't wait till the last minute uh, let's see our caller in Florida should be with us nab other hands uh, folks as I see them Yes, sir. May I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I wanted to start out with, um, I, I know I mentioned last week about how the black female supervisor, I think, is being sabotaged um, by the self-named chaos coordinator white woman uh, where she was asking a white woman who is incompetent, don't really know how to type well, and try to get her an interview to uh, get a position over in our department. But I guess it didn't go through, but she... And that white woman and the white woman about the fragrances have been trying to, I think, set up the black female manager. And I wanted to start with that to say that uh, one of the new black employees this year, I guess, has been making some mistakes, whatever, not too many, but I guess it wasn't time for him to uh, get his promotion yet. And him and the black female manager agreed with it, and he's been doing better now. But this was a situation that happened a little recent where a white woman uh, went in accusing the black female manager 
like, hey, why did you do this and why did you do that? At least from what's being reported to me, you know, trying to instigate off of what the white people were saying about her. So I guess she thought that if she used a black person <laughs> uh, and probably thought that that would cause more damage to her. And she asked the black male employee about this, like, well, don't you think, don't you think she's doing something wrong or something like trying to force him to uh, slander the black female supervisor? And he was like, no, I just, I agree with it. You know, I've got some things I have to work on and, you know, I'm getting better and I'm not making any more mistakes like that anymore. And he just went on about his business and then they get along and they have constructive interactions. And it just looked like it was this white woman trying to start conflict between two black staff members. Uh, I wanted to start out with that. And the same HR person causing chaos, coordinating chaos, started this white man who likes to uh, dress and drag, as he said, on the weekend, LGBT or whatever. So this person, the responses he's been given to the black female manager in the civil area uh, has been a lot of, Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I know. Yeah. So I guess that was a problem that was uh, coming about with how they interacted when, when she was training him. And that does sound condescending to me, rude, unprofessional. Uh, so I guess he hadn't been doing it lately. I wanted to share that. And the... <laughs> the manager that's going to be uh, starting, I guess, sometime next year, but she's been in training with the other manager that's about to retire where I'm at on the white, well, they're on the white side, really. Um, <laughs> I was training to do the passport uh applications or be the passport agent at the front counter, me and two other people on the segregated side, um, they sent us this link to where we had to set up an account to, to, uh, to do this training on the computer. So I was letting the person know that I was, uh, uh, I was finishing setting up my account, my password and my username. And while I was talking, you know, I just <laughs> I just did this one little step forward, and she took a step back like she was afraid of me, you know what I'm saying? Like I was going to do something to her, you know? And I had wrote that down. Like, I'll be paying attention to things like that, you know? So uh, I wanted to mention that. And to add context, this was the person where I was saying a few years ago, but she would make these um she would make these examples about how oh well let's say we're in a relationship 
and you do the domestic violence, you do something to me. It was something to that effect. That's the same white woman. So I wanted to add that. And she made a racist comment, or I felt like it was an act of racism, where I was coming back early in the morning, maybe like at 9 o'clock, maybe like a little after 9, and she was speaking to a white woman and a black female over on the segregated side. And she was talking about having a pet raccoon, right? And she called the the rat the raccoon Reggie. Now, and she said, it's, oh, we don't say Reginald. We say Reggie. And I'm thinking of like, I'm thinking of all different kind of things. Like this sounds like this is um, this is a, an act of racism to me. So I have my notebook out. They're not even talking to me. I'm just in. And she's talking about that. Oh, yeah, he eats dog food, and we've been raising him. That's what she said, raising him for, for years now. You know, we've had him for years. And she walks away, and she comes back with her cell phone showing pictures of the raccoon. This is, yeah, see, this is Reggie right here. And she goes up to the black person's desk, or the desk the black person has been assigned. And the white woman, okay, the white woman who married a black guy, she says, you know what, this makes me want a pet monkey. And then to go along with that, after the white woman leaves that has the pet raccoon, she says, yeah, you know what, that gives me an idea. You know, I want to get a, a pet monkey. They're just so cute. And maybe they'll help me raise my children. Now, she already had two, no, three offspring from black males. And she says getting a pet monkey will help raise her children. So you segue from talking about a raccoon, talking about a monkey, right? So I can see I, that's why I don't really... I don't, I don't really trust any of them, but I could just tell by studying white people how they just um, connect and they just collaborate like that, just out of nowhere. Um, my last one would be what happened uh, today at the meeting was it was a lot of people, well, not a lot, maybe like two or three trying to walk by and speak and say good morning. And it's like, you know, I just, I, I thought about that quote, all lies on me. So all these other black people around, you want to make sure you want to say something to me. You ain't say nothing to all the rest of us. So, um, other than that, uh, that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. I will say with the last situation, our caller at the courthouse, where <clears throat> sometimes the people that are classified as white to kind of say, hey, I'm not racist, especially if we got some 
no count Negro always, you know, jotting down notes and asking questions and things of that nature, trying to accuse us and such. I'm going to make sure I speak to that Negro. He is not going to say, you know, I ignored him or I'm mum and I didn't say that. Greetings, black brother. Harambee. You doing all right? Beautiful to see you, black brother. All right. All right. Like, now I might not speak to anybody else, but speak to that colored boy. Won't be saying that I'm racist. I have seen that uh, before. Uh, where they and they'll do like a real big to do. Even sometimes it doesn't have necessarily have to be a black person who talks a lot about racism. It could just be a, a black person. If it's the only black person that they have here, or one of few. Oh yeah, we will go. Greetings, Lakeisha. Good to see y'all. Oh, you look so beautiful today. That sort of thing. Not racist. Not us. Uh, the going around to set up the black female supervisor one it seems like we've heard this sort of thing before where they just sit around and gossip slander on a black supervisor male or female just talk bad about them for no reason not even that they messing things up fired somebody threatened to fire somebody I've never heard that I've never heard him talk about you know, these black people, black supervisors coming around here and yelling and berating folks and throwing furniture in the I've never heard any of that. And they just sit around and grouse and complain and that's what I said to Silver Tsunami. The good old days when the warden was in charge. What if these Negroes weren't even <sighs> Then they go now, one, I will even, black manager has a black subordinate. That's what they call the technical terms. And they say he had made some mistakes, which is common for new hires. And particularly if this is the typical situation on the plantation where the black people don't get adequate training. Oh, yeah, you can make some mistakes. Now, I don't know if that's the case with this fella, but that is very common where they don't just bend over backwards metaphor to make sure that we get all the training that we're supposed to have that we could benefit from. And it's done in the best high quality manner. Frequently, that doesn't happen. Maybe they got it different in North Florida. Anyway, they say, hey, new hire black dude, you're making some mistakes. Black male privilege maybe got you so far. We have to put in some more elbow work. Instead of your promotion, let's go back and see if we can get some of these mistakes corrected. He says, hey, all right. He doesn't come back and slander. Oh, my God, I hate her. That's what I say. I told y'all, black woman be trying to keep us down. I'm a black king, and I'm trying to take over achievement. He didn't say that. Dang, you know what? You're right. I got something. I'm going to work on that. You write it down, what I need to work on. I'm going to go back. I'm going to do better. And it seems he's making improvements. Like, hey, that's bravo, everybody. We keep him. Hard worker. You point out mistakes, he makes improvements. That's all you can ask of anybody, right? That's better than that chick who can't type. And bravo to the black manager. Hey, that's what we want. Manager, she didn't go and curse at him. And you incompetent, no, and all the rest. Hey, these are your mistakes let's work on a plan for you to improve and he did bravo Woo! that can't be whoopee like maybe both of you all on the promotion track nah they've got white women running Leroy 
Don't you hate that black woman? Isn't she awful? Don't you think she's doing wrong things? Black self-respect. No. I was making some mistakes. Trying to do better. End of conversation. Whoa. Operation foil. Now, even that, that is so tacky to be going around trying to recruit black people. Look bad. Now, that's another one there. Can't be that confused about racism. We don't want to make it look like we got a whole clan of white women sitting around. And we don't like that nigga woman. We don't. Uh, uh, <clears throat> we uh, have problems with the new supervisor who happens to be black. Yeah, that's still basically you don't like the nigga woman. So, well, we get some black people. Yes, we'll add some. But now it's just we have a diverse group of workers who all say that the nigga woman is bad. Isn't that right? Come on, man. That we talked about that boy specifically. White people come around asking you about a black employee. Don't you think Jamal is terrible? Don't you think Asada is the worst? You know those fragrance problems we've been having? Don't you think that's Asada? That's another one. You don't have to say a word. And particularly, now do you ever, not that I would answer that way, do you ever come around here and ask me, particularly a question and phrased in that such a way, don't you have a problem with such and such a white person? When do you do that? You don't even come over to the segregated uh, area. You don't even like walking by the side. Like, come on. Come on. Like all of that. Either don't ask anything or you can really mess them up. They said, don't you think Asada is the worst? I think Asada is amazing. She has been so helpful. She's one of the best employees that we have here. I am so overjoyed she works in this building. Not talking to you anymore today either. Coon. They go back see if they can find somebody else. Black self like I wouldn't care if you can't stand the black person that they're talking about. Like never, ever am I gonna be talking bad about another black coworker. Like never. I'm gonna join it. Oh God, I wouldn't care if we've been feuding since like kindergarten. Like you stole my winter coat and I had to walk home in the rain. Like man. What at any other time you would be a coon, but for today, I got nothing to say about Leroy. <sighs> Bite my tongue. Oof. VGQ, VGQ, VGQ. Never forgetting that coat incident. That's the way you have to deal with that one. Let's see. Uh, the oh, and I, the supervisor—they accused her. They had accused her before of not helping the shiftless white woman. They even tried to put that on her. Like, man, you have got some conniving. This is at the courthouse, too. They're supposed to be about justice. Conniving. Black person that hadn't even done anything. Seems like they might even be a competent employee. They can type. And they're just sitting around looking. We're going to find a way. Make up a reason. We have to lie 
fabricate, whatever, trick some Negroes, whatever. We're going to find a way. Let's see. The He said they they got the white person who said he dresses in drag on the weekend. Do you see what I mean about all this old stuff that has nothing to do with the job? This is not like a value judgment, anything. I really wouldn't care if they said, you know, he dresses up in Armani suits on the weekend. That doesn't have anything to do with the job. That's the same thing I said with the DNA test. Like, everything once it veers off into oh let me tell you about my wardrobe for this Saturday like eh, that 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 stop right there <laughs> I don't really need to know anything about why are we even talking about that what does that have to do with the business at hand then we get off into all of all of this uh, and then this fella he Whyever that's being discussed or however that gets brought up at the courthouse, this fella, I'm going to go be short and rude with the black female. Now, dang, if anybody's supposed to be in solidarity, isn't that all that, isn't in the, uh, the LGBTQ plus, I think, isn't that all that there? They're supposed to be we, in solidarity. We know what it's like to be mistreated. They look at you with the side eye. They don't do right by you. We know all about that. You gonna come and be, yeah, yeah, uh huh, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah. Like, come on, man. That, that, not that I'm surprised. Like, you know, all that. Hey, if you're classified as white, I wouldn't care. LGBTQ, five year old. 105 years old, disabled, whatever, at the end of the day, are you classified as white? That's what I would expect. That sort of dismissive attitude. I don't need, and I said that again, white people having, <clears throat> particularly if it's someone classified as black, who's supposed to be like a manager, supervisor. I think we had someone who had wrote in before about being a manager and you are supervising so-called a white woman. This is why all of that. He might be going through the same thing with, dang, Gus, that's why I asked, man, they sitting around here asking people, don't you think Leroy's awful? Don't you think he's causing all these problems? Look at it. Or talking to him like that. I'm trying to go and share the, uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Okay. 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 We got it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like what in the world? Like, dang. System of I'm not supposed to be nigger, Mr. Fuller. I told you he talked about that explicitly. Said he's seen that with his own eyeballs for decades. Where white people they flip like I'm not supposed to be taking orders from a nigger. Like this is Planet of the Eight. He just said that <clears throat> with the uh, talking about the pet raccoon. And uh, that's another one. See, uh, boundless all this stuff that has nothing to do with work. We're not here to talk about, you know, you got Wild Kingdom at your residence and how many pet raccoons and monkeys and all the rest. What does this have to do with the job? They get off on all this old nonsense. The same thing that I say. And you see all of these roads, they come back to racism. Now, we start off talking about the coons. Now, that alone for me, like, come on, come on. So we start off talking about coons 
and then somehow that gets to monkeys and the person cowbell and all that and that same one before her husband got sick and they said man you didn't even wash your hands you old filthy negros that's what I say about y'all sitting here trying to make excuses you know you didn't wash your hand that's how she talks to her put that in quotes husband to come back and I said now she's probably told this story a billion times to then come back and oh yeah get me some monkeys and I'll help me raise my colored children yes that tells <laughs> me a lot about how you think about it or just I can't even say it to, that just further corroborates how you think about black people savages don't even wash their hands that's how I'm talking about my husband and children monkeys yes they're about the same yes you play around with sex the joke is on the offspring that's another great one you just right observe don't need to say anything raccoons mm-hmm, mm-hmm. monkeys mm-hmm. raise the children mm-hmm. cowbell even mm-hmm. <sighs> and just right now if I was ignorant about racism what it means to be white I'm not really even sure how I would process all of that like the raccoon part like what why are we <laughs> what and then we jump to the monkeys and all the others it's like what is what having a better understanding of racism now I'm still on the do you see how it doesn't get any better than tacky you're letting me same thing he said you're letting me know about how you associate all this but it doesn't get any better than tacky that's why I said like when they come if they were coming to you to, oh I got to tell you about the coons if you ever want a coon I got one many pet coons as you can handle before we even get that and I'm good thank you kindly I'm not interested in any information or details on the coon farm thank you kindly nip that cut it at the knees the great Walter Beach it doesn't get any we just want to talk about workplace things that would be repping like you know old Leroy old stick in the mud metaphor see way they talk about it, but that's the way I would want them to talk and think about me like no I'm not I don't want to talk about the football game I don't want to talk about what you're going to wear for the weekend I don't want to talk about your Halloween plans just the job nothing else not what you watched on Netflix not the family DNA just the job all of these roads lead back to me being a Negro, and really even the job plenty of examples of that too but I mean hey once we get off the like at work at least we're supposed to pretend we're just doing we're just making the chicken nuggets we're just landing these airplanes this is the job that's it we're not practicing racism ostensibly at least let's get back to that charade I keep my eye on you. Once we hop off and all the rest of it, the rate oh it's coming quick too. Anyway, uh much obliged the caller at the courthouse. I don't know, do we have any folks? Is that is that your experience? Have you seen that? Uh or and or personal practice? 
individuals who are not white publicly identify as a female and exclude that they are a black female non-white female specifically they leave out the racial component and just I'm a female do people see that or do that I know we have some females do people do that personally uh, or maybe that's just Gus T maybe I fabricated that in my mind any uh, experience thoughts on that one you all ponder on it I'll uh, ask again maybe tomorrow we have our compensatory call in I'll ask one more time and see but I'm pretty sure I've heard read witnessed this uh, not even just once but many times as I said system of white supremacy we are encouraged to not talk about white supremacy so it doesn't surprise me per se uh, talk, sexism you can talk about that racism and you better include sexism and, and really highlight that if you are going to talk about racism anywho uh, let's see should be here uh, tomorrow Saturday compensatory call in same time 8pm Eastern 5pm Pacific uh, we'll catch up on news from the past uh, seven days uh, and <clears throat> hopefully I'll be totally recouped I feel about 98% there hopefully I'll get my last 2% of recovery over the weekend and then uh, we can reschedule uh, call it a rain date uh, some of the programs that we missed while I was not feeling uh, my best and then get back on the counter racist grind for October autumn 2023 share the broadcast I got my Facebook privileges back just within the last couple of days uh, on Twitter as well at until justice but share the broadcast trying to catch up uh, for lost time and posting all the content I missed out and episodes and all that good stuff but share the cows if you think it would benefit other victims of white supremacy to hear the program invest if you think the cows is constructive listener supported counter racist radio hit the blog racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com paypal button in the top right corner you'll see the links cash app paypal venmo all directly beneath the button paypal button uh, the link for cash app is cash dot app forward slash dollar sign the cows enormous gratitude to all of the investors who have kept us on the air for 14 years 15 if I'm alive in February hopefully we have been worthy of your time and energy accurate more often than not everyone satisfied we didn't miss any folks uh, before we wrap up Grant. Much obliged. Hopefully worthy of your evening. Again, fentanyl, alcohol, whatever. Sobriety would be best. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. 
we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. No name calling. No gossiping. No throwaway offspring. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, brother. A victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. (laughs) Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.